Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Sisters of the Leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate via live video to discuss the crazy, action-packed insanity that drips from every pore of the explosively badass 1989 movie, Action USA. And speaking of pores... The gang will be pouring a bunch of craft beers into pint glasses as they review the super deluxe cigar from Black Label Trading Company. Holy shit, that sounds like a lot of action. And a lot of beers. Which leads me to this, ladies and gentlemen. You longtime listeners will no doubt notice that the show's usual hilarious opening comedic bit is missing from tonight's episode. Apparently one of the guys had a few too many pre-show beverages and went way too far in search of laughs and your trusty, always responsible host Matt A. Cade made the executive decision to edit a few minutes from the beginning of this episode. I, for one, applaud Matt and his always spot-on instincts. And I suppose that I should also mention that he wrote the words that I'm reading to you right now. My God, that talented man just does it all. And yes, he also wrote those words about himself. Anywho, sit back, folks, light them up, and enjoy the Matt Cade Show. Oh, damn it, Matt. Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 139. 139. 139. 139. Action-packed, 139. Uh, I see Tut and Yak Boy made it back from Weasel Fest in one piece from That's last right. weekend. That's right. Knuckleheads have a good time down at Roma It's Crash. pronounced Wesel Fest. Wesel Fest, their big inaugural cigars, big <laughs> music festival. Oh, it's Tut, if you're watching some Hill Country. <laughs> drinks from his craft water thermos. Uh, <laughs> how much did that run you? I don't know. I just saw it and I plunked in on my money. That's how a roller rolls. It cost thirty craft dollars. Okay. <laughs> That's all you guys were allowed to spend there, right? Craft dollars. Craft dollars. That's correct. Craft dollars. Okay. You guys have fun. Trade for craft dollars. Yes. I had a good time hanging out with my friend Yax. 
you two looked like you had a blast. There were some beers. There was some brisket. There was some live music by legendary Ghetto Boys uh, member Scarface, who we all grew up listening to. And the formaldehyde funk band backing him up. Yeah, they the clips I saw they were a pretty funky band. It was actually kind of cool. I, I I think all hip hop artists should have a live band and not play the tracks. It makes a ton yeah. of difference. I think the total opposite. Did you know that Scarface was also a, a pretty decent guitar player? Left-handed you... guitar player. Really, he plays and some... plays pretty decently. Really. How come? How come you guys left early before the concert was over? Then because we've been there so long. I mean, we were literally there from probably like what, one thirty till eight thirty. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. There was some. There was two other good bands there. There was food. There was drinks. Okay. All right. All right. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. This sounds uh, like you're judging, but that's fine. Uh, you can throw well, I'm glad you boys had fun. Maybe maybe I'll uh, be lucky enough to tag along with you next year. I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes down the pipe next year. I do love beer. I do love brisket. I do love cigars, and I do love '90s rappers. So the all the core ingredients are there. But I hate people, so that's a big turnoff. Well, you would have liked this one because everything was still very much COVID. Oh, no, it, out. oh, dude, I, I hated people way before COVID. Uh, well, late but, development. Uh, yeah. How long have you guys known me? <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm glad you guys uh, I'm glad you guys had fun at your first big post-COVID, uh, post-vaccination, maskless. Yeah, it felt pretty good. felt pretty good. Party bonanza. Good good job, boys. Um, and congratulations, Roma Craft, on it. From, by all accounts, a very fun, successful event. But that's enough about Roma Craft. We're not smoking one of their cigars tonight. They'd be so lucky. We're smoking another cigar tonight because here's what we do every episode, folks. In case you're the first, this is your first time joining us. We pair a premium cigar with a movie the likes that you've never seen, and often a movie you've never even heard of. And we tie it with a craft beer. And we put those three things in the TNCC blender. Shake it up. Put it on. What's the low setting on the blender, Yaks? Uh, low? Just low. Um, you don't make daiquiris at your bar. There's a there's a certain word I was looking for. Forget <laughs> pulse. it. God, you, just, you guys are just... What was, pulse. Puree? Puree. Doc's used a blender before. Around. We put it all in the fucking blender and pour it out, and we just gently slide it into your ear holes and your eye holes until you wake up sticky and confused in the morning, and eventually you'll thank us. Does that sound good? Sound about right? It does. It does, actually. Okay. So tonight's cigar... Waking up in the morning sticky and confused. (laughs) Hey, Doc, remember Cat's Fest? Uh, Trying to forget. (laughs) Uh, that that's a cigar festival. I can't wait to come back. Uh, tonight's cigar is the Super Deluxe by Black Label Trading Company. Why did I pick this cigar? Because why indeed? To me, when I think about this movie, if somebody asked me what they think about tonight's what what's my opinion of tonight's movie, 
that is an adjective I would use to describe tonight's movie. Oh man, you haven't seen it? It's super deluxe. This movie is super fucking deluxe. And it deserves a super fucking deluxe cigar. The Super Deluxe is a five and one quarter by 52 box pressed Robusto. Mexican San Andres uh, wrapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ecuadorian Habano binder and Nicaraguan filler. Okay. I will save price point for later as always, but I will tell you just briefly a little bit about it. The little bit I know. This new line from Black Label Trading Company was first released in September of last year, 2020. It was a very weird year for cigar releases. A lot of delays. Yeah. Couldn't really hold events. Uh, COVID caused shipping delays. So if you managed to get a new cigar out last year, you were, you were lucky. And here's what the company's founder and blender, James Brown, said in a press release at that time. James Brown. Super Deluxe highlights everything I love about bold tobacco. Uh, the combination of Nicaraguan fillers and Mexican wrapper work together to create a rich, dark, earthy profile with subtle spice and layers of complex flavors. Flavor. Now, I usually don't tell you what the blender wants you to taste in it, but I forgot. So I just told you. <laughs> how, how many episodes have we been doing this? 139. Is that it? That was more like a thousand. <laughs> That is it. Uh, tell me about it, dog. Uh, more like a million. Shut up, liver. Uh, we have a history with James Brown and Black Label uh, that stretches all the way back to when we first started the podcast. We attended a blending seminar put on by James at a nearby lounge, uh, TJ's out in McGregor, where he showed us how one of our favorite cigars there is the NBK was rolled. Uh, he let us sample the individual tobaccos. It was really uh, a cool little education. Then we later interviewed him on the podcast proper, had him on the show. And then uh, we've had our good buddy and Black Label National Sales Manager, Derek Matthews, on the show. He actually is one of the few folks to ever sit in and join us for a, a full show live in person. Yeah, Derek, that's my boy. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing well. Awesome. He actually played a little hand in helping us track down these cigars tonight. Um, uh, uh their cigars have made our year-end best-of list consistently since we've been doing this thing. Um, so this little box-pressed motherfucker, the Super Deluxe, has a lot of pressure on its back tonight. We've yet to not enjoy a Black Label cigar. Don't shit the bed, Super Deluxe. Uh, no, uh, dog, Derek, actually, this is a hard cigar to find. I mean, they're out there, but there's two other sizes, I think. And I really wanted to try the Robusto. Uh, they have a Lancero and another size. And man, I'm just out. I just not smoking Lanceros these days. And the Robusto is such a nice way to get a good representation of the blend. But I wasn't finding any online. So I asked him uh, as the national sales manager if he had any leads on to where uh, I could track some down. He said no. Uh, but he'd keep his eyes open. And that dude is strong to his word. A week later or whatever. He's on the road training some new sales rep in Michigan, and he gives me a call from Cigar Fellas uh, Cigar Lounge in Davison, Michigan. He's like, guess what, dude? They got Robustos. Put me on the phone with the manager. I ordered uh, three for the show, shipped them to me. So thank you, Cigar Fellas. Thank you, Derek. Um, but these were not gifts. We, we paid for these, so feel free to shit all over them if, uh, 
All yeah. right. I'm I mean, we always everything you just said before. I, I mean, we always we always shit on any cigar, no matter how we get it. But uh, um, but anywho, I'm excited. It's been a while since I smoked a new black label cigar that I haven't smoked before. We loved the Lizard King last year. I think it was top mm-hmm. three for us, maybe. Yeah, I remember that. Um, one. Still love my S and R, the Serpent, the Rainbow. That might be my my favorite. Uh, after the Lizard, Lizard King's my favorite. Then S and R. Yeah, I'm still and, a fan of that Natural Born Killer. I got NBK I, is a winner, man. I like their morphine. Uh, they they just uh, they can they consistently make really good cigars. So I'm really pumped about. We haven't had one on the show in a while, so uh, I'm pumped. Let's light it up. And while we do that, our resident beer expert and head bartender, the Ted Danson of O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas, which we'll learn from tonight's movie. Every downtown in Texas is historic and looks identical to every other one. Uh, but no, Temple is special. It's hurtful. It's hurtful. Temple is special. Uh, Yak Boy is going to talk to us about in the old days, we would all drink the same beer here at the table in the Corner of Hope, where I am now. Nowadays, we are all left to scavenge liquor stores to come up with stuff on our own. Um, but luckily, we have Yagboy here to educate both us and our listeners and our viewers on what we're all drinking. So you know what, Yax? I'm going to start. I, I, I can't wait till we all get back together here so the doctor can light up a, a good stogie with us. He can't do it in there in his office. Let's talk to the doctor first. What the hell is that guy drinking? Beer. Drinking beer. Okay, moving on. What is Tut drinking? Uh, that, no, never, that never gets old. <laughs> the good oh. doctor is from the Wild Acre Brewing Company. He's having the Texas Blonde from there in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've heard the. Heard I have never heard of that beer. Well, that would be surprising because the good doctor is having it for a second time. He enjoyed it on episode 119. Where were you guys? Wait, did the doctor remember that? No. <laughs> Back when we reviewed Jaws 3D. Remember, nephew? How does that beer pair? Oh, that's back when the doctor wasn't even trying. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, that's 20 shows ago. I could have... <laughs> Well, dude, the, doc, the doctor's like, hey, that bro- the younger Brody brother wore cowboy boots. That's kind of Texas. You're going to. I don't think I bothered to tr- make a try in there, a tie in. Well, it fits tonight, Doc, even though none of us remember it. It does either. indeed fit tonight. The Texas Blonde rolling in at 5.6%, 15 IBUs, but it is a blonde ale. So they showcase more of the maltiness and other flavors that you were going to get through that as opposed to the hot bitterness. They usually try to lower that down as low as possible. Uh, like I said, uh, Wild Acre, uh, back in, located in Fort Worth, started back in 2016, so they are relative newcomers still, you know. Okay. But, How is it, Doc? <laughs> now I'm afraid that I'm going to say something completely contradictory. <laughs> No, no, go ahead. I've written you're down. Go back and look at the jaws from them all. This is really good. I'm like, now it's like, ah, it really doesn't do, do much for me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that's classic TNCC. I do not recall <laughs> this at all. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, it's a uh, <laughs> really isn't anything. <laughs> there really isn't anything remarkable about it. it. It it doesn't have a bad taste or anything like that. Dude, on the website for the last time, this is a remarkable beer. This is a great <laughs> beer. I love this beer. It's one of my all time favorites. It's the greatest uh, beer. No, it's a it's a. I would call it. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea what I said then. I don't remember drinking it. I could see this as being a good beer for this time of year again. Uh, this goes down easy. Um, not much in the way of bitterness. Uh, there's a, there's a light, very light citrus taste to it. Uh, so I guess I'll go with that. Nothing nothing remarkable, but goes down nice and easy. Are you getting any floral notes? I noticed there was a blue bonnet on the can. Well, let me see. Yeah, because they probably don't actually put blue bonnets in the beer. Am I right? I wouldn't say no. floral, no. Is it really illegal to pick a blue bonnet? Not really, but they don't want you to because they want you to let them be. Because the, the flower part obviously is where all the seeds are. And they, once you see the flowers, they're getting ready to put out new seeds to make more blue bonnets, which we all love to see more and more of them every every year. I love blue bonnets. Real quick, there is a specific tie-in, obviously, as the main uh, female role in this movie is not blonde. The Texas Blonde is due is uh, dedicated to all blonde women in the 80s who put on a denim skirt and went to a honky-tonk dance hall. I love the pairing, Doc. Maybe ended uh, up in a bathroom. Uh, and it works tonight, unlike back on uh, the Jaws 3 episode. Wait, was Bess Armstrong from Texas? <laughs> no, you're not gonna make you're not gonna make this work though. Hey, Tut, real quick uh, before we go to your beer, uh, man, I got some dark, really nice dark chocolate, and that chewy, rich sweetness on the cold draw, like the chewing tobacco sweetness. They worked. They were. It was a super nice cold draw. And what do you get? I, I'll tell you after you. I'll tell you, listeners, after Tut says. <laughs> I just lit up. What are you getting uh, your first few puffs? Uh, it's oddly enough, I didn't get the the chewing tobacco sweetness on the on the cold draw. I got more of a tea, just a straight up tea taste. Uh, the cold draw it had a nice little bit of a, a spice right there at the very initial uh, deal, but then a nice. Uh, uh, are you talking about the cold draw or after you lit up? After I lit up, uh, the spice hit there. And that's then, called the that's called the lit draw. Okay, the lit draw. And then a, a a nice uh light to medium coffee came comes through on the palate that I'm really kind of kind of digging right now. I'm getting a nose tingling black pepper through the nose, which is common uh with the the nice Mexican San Andres uh wrappers. Yeah. Uh some of our favorite smokes that feature it. Uh from the underground to the norteño. Uh they give you that Really nice spice through the nose. And Todd, I, we're kind of copacetic here. The, my first thoughts on the draw were kind of a, a French roast, kind of darker uh, black coffee as well. Yeah. Mighty fine cigar. Easy smoking, easy draw, uh, nice smoke profile. Uh, These guys know how to make good good box press cigars. I tend to really like their, their box press selections. Uh, yeah, right now just a really nice spice through the nose and some nice some nice coffee on the draw, but I'm literally centimeters into this thing. Yeah. All right. What is Tut pairing his uh, cigar with tonight, Yagboy? 
from the wonderful Austin Beer Works, uh, located in Cincinnati. No, it's in Austin, Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. You just having the the Pearl Snap Pilsner. Pearl Snap Pilsner. We got a lot of Pearl Snap buttons on tonight's movie, don't we? Yeah, we we do. Pearl Snap is snapping in with uh, 5.3% snapper. It's snappy. Snappy. Uh, 5.3% ABV and uh, 45 IBUs. I'm sorry, what was the ABV? Uh, 5.3. Okay. Uh, Beer Works started back in 2011. Uh, they are very dedicated. They they only can their beer. I respect All that. about the cans. Well, and keg, but I mean, no, no bottles is what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, the Pearl Snap, what was it, lager? I'm sorry. It's Pilsner. Pilsner. A Pilsner. Straight German. up Pilsner. Uh, Todd, are you getting any flavors out of that Pilsner? It's a Pilsner. That's what well, I asked that. It was kind of a rhetorical question. Uh, is it good? Is it a good Pilsner? It's a good Pilsner. Uh, it's actually, to me, it's a little hop forward for a Pilsner. Uh, I mean, it's still a Pilsner, so it's not nothing that's going to elbow you out there. But I do think that it's a little hop forward, uh, punches a little bit above its weight. Um, well, I did, I did say it is 45 IBUs. So, I mean, there are people, you know, claiming that are IPAs that are literally like 50. Yeah. So you're almost at the IPA range. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because I, I went into the beer store today, and he's used to seeing me buy all these, you know, peanut butter stouts, cocoa nib, reds, whatever. And I'm sitting there going through my motions, and I'm basically – I'm trying to pair it. I'm not even, like, looking for the – sometimes I'll have a specific beer in mind. Like, I want to do a stout this week. This week I was like – Let's just try to find something to pair with this damn movie. And it's, so I finally did, and then I noticed the Pearl Snap right off the bat. And I went all the way through this thing. And he thought I was looking for, like, you know, some fancy beer. And I come up with a Pilsner, and he was like, just just a Pilsner, huh? And I was like, hey, man, sometimes you got to go back to basics. Actually, Cody and I talked about that this weekend. I was like, you know what? Sometimes you just need a good beer. Forget all the fancy stuff. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to walk into a humidor or a beer store and have the guys leave you alone. <laughs> Quit judging me, Haas. I, just let me do my thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, man, as you were talking to at about, I don't know, what is that, about an inch mark. By the way, construction is awesome. Perfect burn line. Uh, man, all of a sudden some minerals started to join that black pepper. Yeah. Uh, it didn't kill it. It's still it's still very strong and spicy through the nose, but that mineral is a really nice nice touch. And uh, yeah, the coffee is still going full strong. Uh, this is honestly the kind of cigar I kind of wanted tonight. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong, I picked it because the film is super deluxe. But you know what, guys, we're super deluxe. We could smoke this cigar. It pairs with the Tuesday Night Cigar Club any night of the week. That's true. It's ballsy enough to do it. So far, but the night is young. The cigar is young. Uh, okay. Well, I shot off my big mouth, so uh, why don't you tell everybody what interesting choice I made tonight, Yak Boy? You decided to go right back to Blue Owl Brewing. Hey, they surprised, they surprised me last episode with that grapefruit beer, which actually ended up being really good and paired really well. The Teeny Hopper, yes. For our Teeny Bopper movie. 
This time, the blue, from Blue Owl, you have had the Smash Smash Sour Mash IPA. We got a lot of shit smashing up in tonight's movie, boys. Yeah, that sounds horrible. Yeah. It is a seasonal sour from them. Uh, 6.7% only says 40 IBUs, but I am also going because it's going to be a sour IPA. You don't which they said, you know, you're, you're, you're not getting as much of the hop kick to it, but you're going to get more of the that acid flavor, that a, a, the, the acidic flavor that you get from the sour. I'm hopeful, hopeful after drinking four of these, my lips will unpucker by the weekend. Um, but much like that grapefruit beer, the first few sips were like, oh, shit, what did I do? But once it once calms, again, I have burned through my taste, but it's not just fine, you know. Once it calms down. Now, am I right? Yeah, it's the story behind this. They only use, what, one hop and one something else. Like, it's, a, it's one Texas hop and then, like, an Australian... Yeah. Is it Australian malt? Yes. And that's it. It's not a bunch of crazy stuff. And I like the fact that they just used the Texas hop because we're doing a Texas movie tonight. And obviously, things smash constantly in tonight's movie. So a smash, sour, Texas. Oh, they spell Texas T-E-X-A-U-S for Texas and Australia. It's a mashup, boys. IPA. It is not. This cigar is so strong. Um, it's 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 fine with the the acidity uh, of the sour. I'm obviously going to change gears and try it with a normal beer here in a little while. But uh, I like these weird. What is it called? Owl, blue owl yeah. beers. Because it it sounds like stuff you wouldn't like. I hate grapefruit, but I kind of dug that grapefruit beer. I'm not a big sour guy, but this is actually pretty enjoyable. Where is Blue Owl out of again? Uh, I think Blue Owl is Austin. Where I think the things. They're in Austin. Okay. Yes, Austin. And I said it backwards. It is an Australian Vic Secret hop and a Texas Lano Pilsner malt. So Texas supplied the malt and Australia our friends across the pond supplied the hop to be continued on this it is not surprisingly messing with the cigar I don't think because Tut's having a, a wussy beer and he's having the same flavor notes that I'm getting now now I don't think he's having a wussy beer that's not a slam on Tut that's just a slam on Pilsners are, are, are Switzerland of beers they're not going to upset anybody it's because they're German. You've now insulted the Germans. And the Swiss, probably. Yeah, they really don't ever do anything. And Stephen Hawking's estate. I'm pissing off everybody tonight. God. And you know what sucks? I'm, I'm a nice guy. Like... <laughs> yeah, boy, what are you drinking? Hey, we we three paired up Texas beers, Pearl Snap, Smash Smash. Dude, you better bring it. Well, I can't say as I'm going to break any ground here, but from Distal Brewing out of Normal, Illinois. That's right. 
Isn't that like the Stranger Things thing? No, that's, that's Hawkins, uh, Indiana. Hawkins, Indiana. Normal Illinois. Uh, Distal Brewing started <laughs> back in 2013, nothing. and they had a they did a wonderful <laughs> cult. They are big fans of the Grateful Dead. They have a series of beer called the Deadhead series, which is a number of uh, various hazy IPAs. Hey, I I drank one of those on the show. Yeah. I remember. I I remember. So I did number, I believe, five in that line is Driving That Haze, Hazy IPA. Driving That Haze. Yes. There's a lot of driving in tonight. There is just an inordinate amount of driving in this thing. The movie literally just starts with driving. That's true. That's true. Tell us more. Tell us more. uh, The... It is a hazy IPA. It's a which is a New England style. It's it's lighter than a, what you would think of. Uh, it only has a 55 IBUs, so it's very middle of the road. Uh, it's seven uh, percent, but it does. I mean, it, it's you know very very citrusy. Uh, I mean, you know, as a hazy, I mean, it almost basically kind of looks like orange juice, but. Other than that, like I said, the the hop bite is very negligible. I mean, it's still there. It's in the background. But like I said, it's only 55, so it just very smooth. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. And with uh, considering, you know, the the number of flavors coming out of the cigar, you know, as I did want something with a little bit of flavor, but I was thinking, you know, I don't want to go too crazy and have it just try to battle with it. Pairing well so far? Pairing very well so far. You know what? I'm not a hazy IPA fan, but I've done a lot of them on the show. And they do tend to pair well. They don't they they dance nicely with the cigar. Occasionally some of that citrus and sweetness will actually help a boring cigar be a little more exciting. Kind of pull some flavors out of it. Um okay. All right. Well, hey, speaking of cigars, y'all know who makes some really, really flavorful ones, don't you? Who's that? Glad you asked, yeah, boy. Our good friends over at Drew State. And one of the most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami. Crafted by level nine Cuban rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cale Ocho, the Herrera Steli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish. Lavish. Oh, it's lavish? It is. Has always been. Always will be. 25 episodes straight, I've gotten it wrong. Lavish. You know what? I'm just going to come up with a different word for that. They they gave us that adjective. I'm going to come up with something else. I'm going to go to the thesaurus and pick out something that means lavish. Ecuadorian, A lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging. It's available in five sizes. We recently gave uh, the Toro, or I'm sorry, I believe it was the Bellicoso, uh, the pyramid shaped cigar, a 90 rating, solid uh, three thumbs up from us. Very good. Go, go read that review. This cigar is tasty and it is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. So go get you some. And I'd also like to take a quick moment to talk about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers. 
There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. I actually looked up a cigar. Uh, I was thinking about getting on the show the other day. I did a Google search. Yeah. And the first thing that popped up was Cigar World, the testing lab, the page for that cigar. Yeah. And I actually, I actually got a lot of useful information out of it. So uh, Good deal. head over to, to cigarworld.com. You will not be disappointed. All right, boys. Let me take a puff and a sip. And then we have our third juicy nugget of things to talk about tonight, the film. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm looking forward. Had any of you three heard of this film prior to me sending it to you? Never heard of it. All right. Uh, This film recently got a, a breath of fresh air blown into its lungs. It's long dead, buried lungs. Uh, man, this one came and went. Didn't even. Uh, this wasn't even one you'd see on video shelves when you were growing never, up. I've never even heard of it. Uh, it just kind of sunk into the that weird netherworld of, of movies that were made and then disappeared. And a distributor recently brought it back. I think right before COVID, they were going to try to do like a a revival like in like art house theaters and stuff like whoever found this was passionate <laughs> about it uh like he really wanted this movie to so he cleaned it up did like an hd blu-ray transfer of it and then you know how the last you know six 16 18 months have gone uh that that just never kind of took off so i've been waiting and waiting and finally it came up for rental uh action USA. Dun, dun, dun. 19, 1989. That's the name of the film. Action USA. Was it the working title, though? Because it was not, Doctor. If you watch the end credits of the film, they have some bloopers. Yeah. And during the bloopers, they, they put the, uh, to you noobs at home, they thing they clap in front of the camera. The clapper thingy. We'll call it a clapper thingy. They actually put that in front of the camera and you see that the original title was A Handful of Trouble. Okay. Yeah, I noticed it was something else. And I, I think they were wise to transition to Action USA because, to me, this movie couldn't exist with any other name but Action USA. <laughs> it is Action USA. It's a lot of action, that's for sure. Maybe Action Texas. That might have actually been more. Yeah, that, I can see that. So when, I, when you said action the thing text. and you were like, Action USA, I, immediately I was like, you know, like, Invasion USA? Like, no, no, no. Action USA. It sounds like a place I take my kids to, like, jump on trampolines and, like, <laughs> play in ball pits. It sounds like one of those horrible experiences. But no. Uh, 1989's Action USA. The film was written by David Reskin. And directed by a fellow named John Stewart. Not that John Stewart, thank God. And while we haven't featured any of John Stewart's other directorial projects on the podcast, we certainly have seen him perform stunts or enjoyed his work as a stunt coordinator on the show over the years. In such TNCC favorites as Death Spa. Hey. That had some cool stuff. Yeah. The Stoned Age. Yeah. No. He yeah. did stunts yeah. in that. 
and several Leprechaun and Children of the Corn movies. This nice. A long resume is in the stunt world. In fact, when Peter Horton was punching out Malachi in Children of the Corn, he was actually punching out John Stewart wearing a long red-haired wig. Nice. I, I'm guessing. Oh, come on. I thought you'd done some special research there. There's, there's not a lot of research on Action USA. I did that. I turned over every rock I could find, and there was nothing. It was just one rock, wasn't it? It was, and guess what I found under it, Yax? Another beer! <laughs> uh, okay. Well, are you boys ready? Yeah. Are you excited? Let's strap on our helmets and get into this thing. Ted, I was kind of hoping you'd wear your cowboy hat tonight, but I don't think it'll work with that ponytail. No, it won't. I got it right over there. But I do have my Texas shirt on. Mr. Tuttle, our uh, our beloved Mr. Tuttle, uh, during the break, was recently accepted into the University of Texas computer science program as he gives it a hook em horn sorry. All right, all right, all right. We're very proud of him. We're very happy for him. Uh, and I can't let you down, man. Oh, let's see if it'll fit on that ponytail. It does. Oh. It does. Come on now. Oh. When in Rome. Do as the Texans do. <laughs> uh, should, I, should I get a hat as well? Yes. You have a cowboy hat? That's not as snazzy as that one, but uh, it'll do. You know what? We'll take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to have 50% of the Toothnet Scar Club in cowboy hats. Stay tuned. All right, boys. Uh, now that the doctor, welcome back, uh, has his cowboy hat on, he's filled with a renewed, he's got the spirit of Texas flowing through his veins. Yeehaw! Got that Texas spirit right there. Hey, are all Texas. I don't know about you, Todd. I'm ready to hit up the honky tonk. I'm going to put my te- pearl snaps on. Let's go, buddy. Are all Texas boys as ugly as you two cow fuckers? <laughs> yeah, and the one guy laughs. Yeah, Eddie, we'll get to that. I love that scene. <laughs> they they were drunk. <laughs> um, all right, well, we start things off with a very testosterone-drenched opening title sequence, which you would expect from a movie called Action USA, where a blue souped-up 80s Corvette with like a three-foot shaker scoop... six. <laughs> Sticking out of the hood of this thing. You can't even see around this thing. It's like, how could he drive with the engine sticking so far up out of the I'm surprised the the helicopter flyover didn't knock it. Uh, And a license plate that reads Sleek One is flying up and down Texas roads. The driver, Billy Ray, has one hand around a beer bottle and and his other hand stuck between the cute babe's legs riding a shotgun. A rockin' anthem plays as he kicks on the car's nitrous. Watch this, baby. Undoes the nitrous tank. And they zip all over the place, eventually ending up at a house out in the suburbs. They aren't inside one minute before Carmen, that's the chick's name, peels her top off. Oh, yeah, those are nice, Billy Ray says. Real nice. And they start getting to it on the couch. But before they can smash their genitals together. Oh, God. As I hold up my smash right. dude. dude, are we gonna do a smash reference every time something smashes? Give me some credit. Because that'll that'll take a long, long time. 
Ted, you had said there had been a horrible just... mashup while doing the ADR for these first several scenes. I would have gone along with that. <laughs> There's a few. It's hard to capture ADR when you're driving 200 miles an hour in a convertible. They do their best. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't quite figure out why he needed to turn the nitrous on when he literally just has these ginormous intakes, just already supercharging this Stingray engine. He doesn't have just like one. He's got two. They're like lined up. Well, everybody knows those intakes are for show, Yaks, but that nitrous, And he literally has the dough. wheelie bar on the back of the car yeah. just so the front end doesn't fly up. Oh, it's something. Um, but before they, they can get busy and uh, become one, the front door gets kicked down and two goons barge in. It's not really kicked down. The guy literally just... Pushed it right. in with his hands. They, they took the hinges <laughs> off, and the, the bad guy just pushes it down. That's it's one. So of the, that's one of the few cheats in this movie. Everything else is pretty, pretty hardcore. They haul Billy Ray away, kicking and screaming. After that is, they punch the chick Carmen square in the nose for running her mouth. And I love the point blank camera shot, the POV with the the dude looking back. <laughs> I guess you could say they smashed her nose God. in. Knew it. Knew it was coming. No, I'm not going to do that one. Uh, but you're right. They have some of the best. Well, one, all the car stuff, there's a lot of POV to where you're like on the front of the yeah. car. And then whenever they punch somebody, it's just right into your face on as a. As every, a every now and then. And normally, I'm, normally I'd be like, oh, you got to do that. God, it worked on this film, and I, I enjoyed it. Action USA. <laughs> It's hilarious because you can totally tell this flick is directed by a stuntman. Everybody drives like a maniac, even when there's no cause to. Like these guys, they punched her out, and they're just taking this guy somewhere. They're squealing around corners at like a thousand miles an hour. No, they're there's like no, running. There's, there's no blending in. You know, act cool, act cool. Don't draw attention. No, they're, they're running people over the off the road. They're shooting their guns in the air. <laughs> and dudes just punch each other yeah. constantly, even when unprovoked. As they're walking Billy Ray to an awaiting helicopter, one of the thugs, Garrick, says, let's go for a ride, shithead. And just start punching him in the stomach, even though Billy Ray's walking, like, voluntarily. He's not putting up any kind of struggle. <laughs> you know what? The bullhorn, the director, go ahead and punch him. Really? <laughs> I mean, he's playing that. Yeah. Punch him three times. No, no, no. Make it, make it four times. Punch him right in the belly. God, every there's so much... <laughs> punching and, and just we don't fuck around in these hair parts oh it's crazy so they get uh, billy ray up in the helicopter yeah. and for several minutes we watch as billy ray dangles upside down from the chopper with just one of the tough guys holding his legs they're zipping around all over the place even flying really low through the city of waco which is right up the road from us at one point they're like flying through the city through like, the bu- yeah through well, the buildings i was like, like the how building did they get that signed off and you see I can't this- quite figure it out because they literally start out like because apparently billy ray has something they want so like this becomes the most expensive interrogation <laughs> i've ever seen we're gonna tell us what we want let's go to the chopper <laughs> Well, see, I didn't know. You have to file, I was like, even even in the 80s, you have to file a flight plan. If a helicopter takes off the ground, there's going to be other police helicopters, there's going to be Air Force, especially just zipping through the buildings. I didn't realize where this was located, and then all of a sudden I saw that Alisco building, and I was like, Alisco? 
Wait, is this in Waco? Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was shot in and around Waco, Texas, which uh, here in the Corner of Hope is about 30 miles up, up the road, yeah. uh, which, which is really cool. I didn't know that going into this. When I'm also very, it's also very weird because of all the times I've ever been in Waco that there wasn't just places going, oh, back in the day, Action USA, right here. This was the spot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> even, just, they, even they didn't know about it. Uh, but, dude, I thought the whole thing with him, because the whole time you're seeing these crazy the helicopter stuff, that dude, you see a real live human being hanging off that thing, waving his arms. It was impressive. It's very impressive. I'm wondering, and I couldn't figure it out whether they had a safety harness running down through that through uh, one pant leg. He had one leg wrapped around the strut of the helicopter, but then the bad guys were holding the other leg. And I thought maybe because the way the guy's was hand was positioned, he was holding just on that leg. Maybe they had run a safety harness down through there that he was hiding. But I really don't know. Yeah. John Stewart was a pro, man. I, I don't think they they were shortchanging the the safety stuff but, yeah, but they, the, they hit it very well i mean they knew what they were doing but what was even more impressive than the helicopter dangling stuff is when billy ray finally tells the guys what they want to know the location of some diamonds that he has hidden in his gym locker the the goofball holding them accidentally drops his ass and we watch as a stuntman plunges from the helicopter all the way down into a river, even doing some flips down the way. Dude, that had to be a drop of like at least 150 feet, right? Yes. It looked like it, yeah. And the way they cut it, I think they really had got some dude to make that fall. It was impressive. Yeah, it, it was a really good looking shot. I think you're right. I think that someone actually did make it. Uh, the guy was like, do I really have to jump out of the hell? Do you want the Action USA money or not? All right, give me two ibuprofen and watch this. All right. Everyone's going to see Action USA. I should probably do this. <laughs> uh, so get this. Not only does Billy Ray survive that fall, but he immediately swims to shore where Carmen is waiting for him in her Porsche. Ah, Somehow, she woke she... up from getting bopped in the nose, got in her car, and followed that helicopter and is waiting for him. That's a good woman. Dedication right there. She's trying to figure out how could she follow them. They're flying through buildings. They're going under bridges and all this craziness. Action. Just USA. like all good Texas Phillies, they're going to stand by their man. I think it's going to be interesting to watch Tut tonight as he wrestles with <laughs> his desire to wear the cowboy hat, but his ponytail that, that's fighting against it. No, it's the he's over here. I can't help but see the back of the cowboy hat. So the ponytail. Yeah, cut a little hole in the back of that thing. No, it's the cans. It's hard to wear cans with a hat. Okay, you've done it several several times on the show with no issue. Ponytail and a cowboy hat. That's what you call a dichotomous nature. I like it. I like it. The doctor hasn't taken his cowboy hat off once. Just saying. Getting some thunder here. Yeah, there's, the, some, uh, there's some big old thunder. Hey, kind of like the Garth Brooks song, The Thunder Rolls. Was that What's a message that? that the Lord is displeased? Well, that's also about uh, the physical abuse of women, much like Carmen got smashed in the nose just a single. In the thunder rolls. Okay, get this. The bad guy's helicopter is running out of gas. 
They've been in the air, what, five minutes? I just, well, I mean, they're like, go after him. But then they, I mean, the helicopter pilot, like, I can't. All this maneuvering is eating <laughs> up all the gas we have. You assholes. <laughs> I could have just flown straight to this river. But no, you made me go like the most. I was literally flying through buildings. Well, here's what these dudes do. They just lower the helicopter down in the middle of a road, jump out, and steal a Mercedes from some old couple to continue the chase. Get your ass out of the car, you old fart. They punch his grandpa in the belly and take his car. <laughs> these guys are they, professionals. They actually spare him. He's the one guy in the movie that doesn't get punched in the belly. Uh, so now we're treated to a pretty badass and very nauseating, at least for me, car chase through downtown Waco. There's one point when the cars are zipping around and around and around this multi-level parking garage. That's the camera's, a really tight and good shot, though. What well, is the camera's mounted on the hood, and I thought I might barf. Like I was getting, <laughs> yeah, I was getting dizzy watching this. I thing. was like, that's some pretty damn good driving. So you got that, nauseated from the actual car chase and not the Waco. Doctor, I'm going to just say it now. I am not a Waco fan. I've done a lot over the years to avoid going to the city of Waco at all costs. Uh, it, they're a peculiar bunch in Waco. Um, or as we call it, Waco. <laughs> I, I I don't spend a lot of time in Waco. I never have. But I might now just to go see where they shot Action USA. I'll go find I'll go find this parking garage just to look at it, but that's about it. I, I I'm like I'm like you. I avoid Waco at all cost. But it did rise them up a little bit in my in my esteem. Just knowing. Oh that yeah, the fact that they were cooperative and let Action USA film there that that did actually soften. Somebody my... had to know that a chopper was going to be flying through downtown. Oh yeah, dude, watch the end credits. They thank every single business in Waco. Like, everyone signed off on this thing. Well, back out on the streets, Billy Ray takes a sharp turn in the Porsche, and Carmen, Carmen almost falls out the door. She's hanging out the side of that thing forever as that's, cars are almost hitting her. That's a good little sequence because, I mean, I swear that stunt person's butt hit the pavement right there when it first came out. Yeah. It looked like uh, it was going to. And, man, the hired gun named Perez chasing them is just a lousy shot. He's sticking out the sunroof of that Mercedes, and he's fired at least 100 rounds out of a revolver, and he's not hitting anything. But, again, you've got a car chase going on with this dude hanging out the sunroof, and this car's going all over the place, and this dude's still up. It's not like a dummy up there on that sunroof. There's oh, dude, a stunt getting... guy just riding this thing. It looked like a dummy to me. Well, he you is, but it, it was, I, I was impressed with the sequence. So Doctor can talk shit about the guy playing Perez, but I can't say anything about Stephen Hawking. Come on. Perez. As far as I know, this guy didn't have a physical handicap. Didn't he? Physical. He looked like he was on a tremendous amount of HGH. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty ripped. They didn't have that back then, Doctor. It was just the old stuff. The classics. The classic stuff. Uh, so up ahead, there's a... <laughs> so up ahead, there's a school bus... Uh, full of teenagers that has had a fender bender with a motorhome that's blocking the road. But Billy Ray says, fuck it, and just hits the gas pedal, which sends the Porsche up the back of a tow truck ramp, <laughs> soaring over the bus and over a huge line of stalled cars and traffic on the other side of the bus until it finally topples over and crashes. Then the bad guys, 
uh, Perez and the other dude, Garrick, they say fuck it. And, but instead of jumping the ramp, they just decided to drive, drive straight through, through the motorhome. Smashed right through it, they did. Unleashing a giant fireball. On the other side, they scoop up the unconscious bodies of Billy Ray and Carmen and throw them in their Mercedes and head off. How are they not dead? I was about to say, that little Porsche was, like, done for. I was hoping there was not a stunt person in that car when they hit it. Cause... Speaking of Waco, this is the first of many scenes in this movie where I got the feeling that there was, like, a mention in the Waco Tribune newspaper that an action movie was going to be filming somewhere. There is an inordinate amount of just bystanders standing around watching yeah. All the fun stuff and like, hey, y'all, make point, sure to come crashed. out to uh, at three p.m. to <laughs> yes. high or say uh, I mean, Street Three, dude, Third Street, because there's gonna movie, be an evil Knievel car jump. This movie had extras out the fucking ass. I mean, it, Waco didn't. I mean, there wasn't this much foot traffic back in the day before. Uh, what Chip and Joanna had their little paws into everything and. Everybody, dude, there's people just standing there watching, like clapping as the cars shoot over. Like it was, it gets way more obvious later on during the car chases where there's just people clearly behind barricades watching the action. <laughs> but, uh, man, all this was very impressive. If you're going to call yourself Action USA, you better start the movie off on a, on a high note. It's like one of those, uh, Disney park attractions for the stunt, where it's just one big stunt show, right? I mean, one, one trick after another. I was actually hoping that's what the movie would be. Unfortunately, they everybody talks at some point. <laughs> uh, For a good while, they were driving that haze. Driver's seat. Uh, seems like a reach, yes. It works, though, doesn't it? It works. <laughs> the bad guys pull over once they're out of town, and they yank the lovebirds from the car. Eat lead, fucker, Perez says, as he shoots Billy Ray twice in the chest. As his heart explodes and blood goes everywhere. My favorite is the motherfucker. As he, as he tumbles to the ground, he chooses as his famous last words. It kind of sucks, but it kind of fits. Motherfuckers. Dude, there's so much great really of cheesy lines. Even Perez is so angry there. They know they're going to kill him. So, eat lead, fucker. <laughs> I mean, just that's... And uh, once again, this is literally like the longest, most intricate, most expensive interrogation I've ever seen. Normally in any other movie, they break into the house. They would have tied him to a chair and begin like pounding him, but here's... like just punching him. Over and over with the guy with the megaphone, punch him again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yaks, here's what the funny thing is. They go through hell to capture this dude, and they finally get him. You ready to talk? Fuck you. Kill it. Fill him full of lead. There's no interrogation. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Well, he already technically told them where the diamonds are. They, They thought he did. You're right. They thought he did. Uh, another car filled with guys shooting guns shows up on the scene and it makes the bad guys haul ass away in their Mercedes. So these new guys start chasing Carmen through the woods, which the POV shaky shots continue from, from her point of view through the trees. I almost barked yeah. them too. Yeah, this is a bit much. And the, the legs, the point, the POV, the, the, uh, 
the perspective leg shot. Yes. Uh, well, she has nice legs. Yeah, but still. Until finally, FBI agent Clay Osborne tackles her to the ground. He identifies himself, shows her his badge, but when she struggles with him and tells him to get off of her, he slaps the shit out of her. Bitch. <laughs> that's yeah, our hero. Our, that's, our, twice, our, that's twice in like an hour for her. Dude, she's gotten. <laughs> Slap first first Perez gave her the knuckle sandwich and went, fuck you, bitch, or shut up, bitch. And then this guy just gives her open hander. And he just does a simple. He doesn't really know her that well, so he doesn't do the – he just bitch. bitch. <laughs> oh, and this is our hero, by the way. Uh, so Osborne is the crazy white federal agent with the mullet and the army fatigue jacket. And his partner, Earl McKinnon, a.k.a. Panama, is the by-the-book mustached black federal agent who's a few years away from retirement. Doctor, this is 89. When did Lethal Weapon come out? 87. 87. Lethal Weapon 2 came out in 89. I remember that. When did Shotgun Jones come out? 89 also. This, oh, this was a winning formula, folks. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't make that connection. Good. Black oh, Cop. my God. I, the minute I saw him like chasing her, I was like, is that Riggs? Black Cop, White Cop. They 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 paid attention to the trends. I was thinking more Miami Vice, but you're right. Yeah, this is definitely more Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, that's more shotgun Jones. <laughs> I was just I was waiting because and we will get to that point, but I was simply waiting for Panama to be like, I'm too old for this shit. So they, <laughs> he says that a couple times. Like I don't know if I'll make it till retirement. <laughs> So, anywho, uh, they tell Carmen because she witnessed a murder, they're going to take her to catch a flight to where she'll be kept somewhere safe from the bad guys. This is a good point to, to ask about the cigar. I've actually had a nice, it, it was alluded to on the cold draw. I have had some nice dark chocolate join that coffee on the draw and that mineral and the spice. The spices came down for me in the middle portion. Uh, the draw, the retro hill is very nice with that tamed down spice and the mineral. But I've started to get dark chocolate with that coffee. You getting it? Uh, not the dark chocolate, but the mineral has definitely made itself known. On the draw, are you still just primarily coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Yaks? That chocolate, I can agree with you there. That mineral, I mean, I'm hit about halfway right now. So the mineral has become very prevalent, like y'all have spoken about. Chocolate has been there. But, I mean... For my cigar, I mean, I had a very strong chocolate on the cold draw. Yeah. But it was very sweet, that chocolate. It was almost it was almost milk chocolate. And I was I was kind of surprised about that just considering I was like, you know, I figured the cigar, you know, the coffee for me is very, very dialed down. It's very low. I mean, I got yeah. some of that in the beginning. More but, chocolate than coffee, really. Yeah. I'm getting a mixture of both. Tut's getting none of the chocolate, but we're all getting that mineral and spice on the thing. Construction-wise, I'm relighting just because I'm running my mouth. Construction. Man, this thing is flawless. Uh, I, you know, and I never thought I'd say this, but it, it's almost too well constructed because it's so easy to work. I mean, so easy to draw. Uh, I'm not having to work. This is not making me work at all for this thing. It's chock full of flavor. That's it's good, Todd. That's the way. That's the way it's supposed to be. Well, you know, in life, sometimes you know, if it's too good to be true, then you know it is too good to be true. But this, so far, is just really, really good. All of a sudden, Todd's cigar blows up in his face. 
Action USA. Action <laughs> USA. Okay, how, how are y'all's beers going along with it? Mine's out of the way. I can't believe that mine is, but yeah. It's it's we're all getting the I same. I was a little concerned just in the beginning. Like I said, that I had that sweetness in the cigar, so I was wondering if my the, the hazy IPA, because it does have a little bit more citrusy, was influencing that, but it really wasn't. So I like I kinda like it. I mean this is very beer is very light, very dialed down for an IPA because it is like I said, it's that like style hazy, so and this cigar is I mean, it's not a, it's not just an overt powerhouse, but it has more flavors to. Yeah, right. Especially the, I'd put the, the strength full in the first third. That spice was enough to kick it into, to full. In the medium portion here, I, I do, I'd say the strength is, is a medium and the body's a medium. Um, which for that much Nicaraguan tobacco and a Mexican wrapper, it's kind of surprising. It's not a little. Yeah. stronger but it'll be curious to see where it goes from here okay remember when billy ray told the goons that he had the diamonds in his gym locker uh-huh which dude that guy driving around that corvette with that chick drink pounding down those road beers how much time's he spent in the gym well we see the guys breaking into his locker and the only thing in his gym bag they pull out is a jock strap that he wrote, Eat Me, Frankie. Billy Ray. With Black Sharpie. Nice. Nice. Even he dead, is. he keeps up. Hey, Billy Ray is three steps ahead of you. Well, he's not, no. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Motherfuckers! Billy Ray. Rest in peace, Billy Ray. Eel! Uh, unlike Stephen Hawking, I don't believe he ever cheated on Carmen, so. Oh, I'm sure he did plenty of he time. probably sure didn't he have did. time to. He's Dude, cheating sure. on somebody with Carmen. I think he actually had another chick that we didn't see in that Corvette. <laughs> Billy Ray. Uh, the girl, says Garrett, we must find the girl. She knows where those diamonds are. But it turns out that finding Carmen might be easier than you think because FBI brainiac Osborne calls the local sheriff to let them know what shitty motel they're spending the night in because they missed their flight. And of course, that shitty little local sheriff is in crime boss Frank Navarro's back pocket. Did any of y'all recognize our hero, FBI agent uh, Osborne? He looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. It looked like Dwight Yoakam's dad. It was I, indeed Dwight Yoakam's dad. I looked him up on IMDb and saw a picture of him from recent times. And when I saw the picture, then I knew who he was. Or, or I'd seen him recently or in the last Where several do you recognize him from? And by the way, Todd, that's the that's one of the worst insults you could give somebody. Why? He plays Looks like Dwight Yoakam's dad. Why? I think this guy's younger than Dwight Yoakam. He's still uh and, and this was probably at least 20 years later. I know it's 30 years later now, but uh, he played Mac's father on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who, a guy who's in prison. Oh, I vaguely remember that. He was a reoccurring. Yeah, he was on about he was on about 10 episodes, but like he's his Mac and Charlie are afraid of him. And he just really wants them nothing to do with him. And he dated Charlie's mom in one. Yeah. 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 OK. I, I do remember that. For me, I remembered him because he has those huge blue eyes. Like he has really 
big, giant, uh, kind of buggish blue eyes. He was the crazy Satan worshiping older brother in the awesome horror flick Hack O' Lantern, uh, which I think came out the year before this in '88. And he was supposed to be like a teenager or early 20s in that. So, how he's become this grizzled war vet FBI agent in a year. It's amazing okay. what that coat will do for you. The fatigue jacket does a lot. <laughs> it does. It does. Hey, that's why when we were kids in high school and I went in to buy beer in the convenience store, I'd wear my uncle's Vietnam Veterans of Association golf <laughs> shirt. You okay, buddy? I'm like, uh, the storms, they, they get to me. Fucking 16-year-old kid. Uh, it worked once. We got beer once. It actually did work once? Yeah, it did. I thought they like totally called you on it. You're like, oh, I've had a rough day. You're like, oh, yeah, getting your driver's license rough? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, uh, son, can we see it? It's out in my, my Jeep. I'll be right back. Go, 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 go. I don't know what tipped him off. I don't know. Your face is covered in pimples, and you're, you're clearly fucking 15 years old. Oh, you're right. wearing a Wildcat football T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, as crime boss Frankie Navarro takes a bubble bath with two young babes. All right. And Carmen showers at the motel. All right. Hubba. Agent Osborne polishes his bullets on the motel bed while his partner, Agent McKinnon, is suffering from some serious bowel issues. Don't you ever let me eat Siamese food in Texas again. What the fuck is Siamese food? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to go to Waco just to figure that out. Where the, where's the Siamese like- restaurant? Yeah. Excuse me, cowpokes. Uh, we're looking for some good Siamese food. Oh, hell yeah. Well, what you need to do is you need to go right down there to 3rd Street yonder, take a left. But this brings up an interesting thing. At this point, and I should say this will change. I warm up to it. Watching Action USA, anytime one of these characters talks in this movie, I was just like, shut up and show me more crazy shit, you assholes. <laughs> like, after that opening, I was just like fired up. The dialogue is terrible. It's just, horrible. just shut up and throw another guy off of something tall, you shitheads. That's what I'm here to see. Ew! I'm so mad. I went outside and I just punched my neighbor in the gut. <laughs> I don't know. There was to me it was something kind of balancing with it. I liked it. it. You do need to take a breath every once in a while. And it was funny because it was so over the top dramatic uh it was just like uh oh when he said don't give me that goddamn Siamese food anymore that that hit you in the feels it did it it totally (laughs) did but here's why this movie rocks as soon as carmen gets out of the shower there's no small talk with her and osborne or philosophical jibber jabber about billy ray's death all of a sudden bad guy perez comes crashing through the motel window (laughs) And both FBI agents fill them full of holes. Then they throw Carmen into their busted up late model Hunter sedan, and another car chase begins. <laughs> Action USA, baby. It was, always, it was always a green late model sedan in Hunter. It really is. Some, 
so, just episode, like there's just so much driving in this movie. Every episode on Hunter, the guy was giving him a new beat up gray late model sedan. No, he was always calling it in. He was always like, "We got a late model sedan." I was like, "I'd never heard anybody ever say that." They would be like, "It's a 1988, whatever." He's a, it's a late model sedan, head north on such and such. Doctor, I believe your car in high school, the legendary Mercury Sable, was probably radioed in as a late model sedan. It was, it was radioed in all right. <laughs> you always got us out of those tricky situations. Good work, my man. Yeah. Only this chase, does, this chase doesn't last long. As our heroes jump an enormous concrete drainage ditch, and when Garrick in the Mercedes tries to slam on his brakes at the last minute, his car flips down in the ditch and explodes into flames. He gets out of the car engulfed in fire. But as he's walking around and is totally encased in flames, he just starts shooting his gun. Like, if I'm going out, I'm going to just hopefully, like, kill a kid. As or opposed to the something. fact that he's in a drainage ditch full of water, he should have been rolling in. <laughs> These weren't the smartest men yet. And it was Waco water. So. Well, of course they're not the smartest men. They needed to interrogate him, and they took him for a helicopter ride. Maybe you just burned to death at that point. <laughs> All right, let's I get. Either, I could either burn to death or jump in the Waco water. Mm. Let's get Billy Ray to talk. What should we do? Fill him full of lead. Kind of talk, man. Criminal mastermind Frank Navarro is super pissed at these amateur assholes he has working for him. The recently deceased Perez and Garrick, as he walks on a treadmill in his mansion, barking into a cordless phone while drinking a glass of scotch. This guy. Frankie, he orders, you could tell he was an 80s multitasker. Yeah, he was on top of shit. He orders some of the other guy, his other guys, especially Lucky and Hitch, to pick up a real heavy hitter, a gunman named Drago at the airport. Drago can do what the others can't. Drago will get the girl for sure. Oh, we don't need Drago. And holy shit. When Frankie's men see this tall, imposing figure in a cowboy hat and trench coat sporting a huge gold Marlboro belt buckle, <laughs> crawl out. Dude, a normal-sized little plane pulls up, and they're, like, watching for him to come off it at the airport. It wheels away. This little single-passenger plane is there, like, where he's flying it. Like, it only holds one dude. He pops up in that thing, crawls out, monster of a man. And then he grabs the back of the plane and pulls it into a parking spot. Dude, I knew in my soul at this moment that this movie was going to not climb slowly, but jump to another level. And I was, was I was like, how can this be imposing? I know it, it part of me wanted to say like they were doing like a whole little just a, a, a little poke at like, you know, James Bond and Jaws. He would always just, this huge dude, just get out of this little thing. But I was like, really? Because it's like, you know, you got the normal plane and that moves. And then there's the tiny little plane. It's like a clown car. I was like. Yeah, but when he crawls out of it, he's bigger than the plane <laughs> somehow. And dude, he walks over to them in this cowboy outfit. And Hitch says to Mr. Dragoo, that's quite an outfit. You heard of Rome? What about it? I'm in Texas. And when in Texas, I dress like a Texan. Yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> I'm well, here as, to blend. As that no badass... As that... Oh, now Tut puts on his, his Drago cowboy hat. Doctor, I respect you for keeping it on at all times. 
<clears throat> well, I ain't taking it off. That's for damn sure, you sons of bitches. <laughs> you get it. You get it. Was that giant badass's point out of the airport terminal, which that's this whole movie. One of them is getting somewhere and the other one's either just leaving or just getting there. Like they're always crossing each other's paths. The buffoon FBI agents woke up late and they're just pulling in. Get this. They missed another flight out of Waco. So they're stuck in Texas. <laughs> that damn Siamese food. <laughs> These guys do not. I think it was the Siamese food, doctor. Osborne calls FBI headquarters and his boss, Director Conover, played by the one and only William Smith, Great tells him, Smith. get your ass to the border where a bunch of fellow agents will be waiting for you to help. I love the gravelly-voiced William Smith. Podcast lovers, uh, fans of ours will recognize him. He was the great Count Sodom in 1988's Hell Comes to Frogtown. And also he appeared in like 20, 30 episodes of Hunter. But Yeah. God damn it, Hunter. I don't know how to get you another late model sedan. I can't. The budget doesn't cover it. God he was Conan's father at the beginning yeah. of the original he Conan. He was Conan's father. Yes. He Absolutely. was the Russian super agent in the original Raw Deal. Yeah. Uh, and God only. He was, I think he was in, uh, what, he in the first Maniac Cop? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Boys, guess when we did Hell Comes to Frogtown? Uh, 2018? No. 2017? Close. It was on episode 15 in 2015. Wow. Oh. That threw me for a loop, too. Uh, oh. But yeah, it's in my... Siamese food! <laughs> we have ate a lot of Siamese food since then, so who knows? Yeah, am I wrong? Or is Waco a long way from the Texas border where they're supposed to get to? In fact, it is so far from the Texas any Texas border. <laughs> yeah, because Whether I think the Mexican border and or any of the bordering states. It is, as we like to say here in Central Texas, it is deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, because I no, it's a good point because I thought they were trying to get her to the Oklahoma border. I, that's I what, thought they no, that's what Osborne said. We just got to get her to the Oklahoma border. You know, that's like a. Yes, but it was 89, so if they had to drive the speed limit, it would have taken days. Especially in that late model sedan. Yeah, I live. Gas mileage. It's terrible. I probably live at least an hour and a half north of Waco, at least. And we'll say an hour and a half north of Waco. And I'm probably at least another hour from the Oklahoma border. And as the ax pointed out, the speed limit is now 75 the whole way when it was 55 then. So even from where they're at, even if, if, I mean, nobody knew where they were at, of course, in the movie, but logistically it would have been like at least a four hour drive where they were at. Yeah. According to this movie, it's a, it's a two or three day drive. And by the way, they can't, they can't speed because they never say Waco. We just knew it was Waco. But they can't speed because nobody in Texas recognizes or respects their FBI badges. No, nobody. Like everywhere they show them, it's a joke. So it's not like they could like, hey, it's cool. We're FBI agents. No, they they get the shit. They get him punched in the stomach for that. <laughs> well, the FBI agents and Carmen stop at a diner for some lunch. 
And it seems like she's actually warming up to these two miserable dickheads. Maybe they'll make it out of this mess after all. If they work together, right? Right? Sure, it could happen. Put your head on my shoulder. We can dream about how it was before. I'll stop anytime you sing, Doctor. Your dulcet tones. Well, nope. They won't. Uh, it's not smooth sailing because just then Drago, Hitch, and Lucky walk in the diner and spot their target. How did they find them in all of Texas? They just walk into the diner. There they are. Well, it was 89. There's only four diners in Texas. <laughs> it doesn't matter. As the FBI guys both go to the cashier to pay the bill and leave their prize witness, Carmen, all alone. That's a reoccurring theme. Yeah, these guys are a couple of dipshit federal agents. Right? They That's leave right. her alone. And as, as tension escalates and pressure, they leave her alone even more. But our here they our mission hinders on getting this woman to safety. Let's both turn our backs on her for several no, minutes. We should both oh. go. To, we should both go to make sure that she charges right for the pancakes. Carmen, just hang out over there. Well, she just mind her own business by the door when Cigar Chomp and Drago grabs her, shoves her in the bad guy's car, and they race off with her. Drago pulls over to make a payphone call to the boss, Frankie, and let him know that they got her. And while he's gone, Carmen tries to use her smoking body and sweet talk to find a way out of this jam with the other two dudes. But both Hitch and Lucky give her the same line. Don't play me, sweetheart. When Dragu comes back, he tells the boys, get back in the car. We got a job to finish. So she's like, hey, these guys weren't no love. Maybe I'll try it with this tall drink of water. And what is it exactly that you do, Carmen purrs to Drago? I bury people, bitch. And then he slaps the shit out of her. That's three very strong. Poor Carmen is taking a beating. If I were her, I would hate all men. <laughs> and she does. Every man she meets punches her in the face. Or gives her a real hard slap. And calls her a <laughs> And they wonder why nowadays people are like, well, you know, women haven't been portrayed right in the movies. What are you talking about? Slap, bitch. Yes, but on the other hand, Ty, everybody in Action USA gets punched and slapped. <laughs> That's true. Isn't she actually being treated as an equal here? It is. I, I Technically so. By the way, I, I actually, because of his distinct southern drawl and distinct face, I recognize the actor that played Hitch, and I couldn't think of where... And so I looked at him up on IMDb, and I was like, yes, now I, I knew I'd seen him before. He has a small role as a bartender in the regrettable sequel, Another 48 Hours. I, okay, I recognize I him. He played this horny uncle in this movie, Massacre at Makeout Planet, uh, which we almost did a show on. And I like Hitch so much, maybe we will someday. <laughs> Uh, he, he had these red long johns and all he did was sit around drinking moonshine and grab an ass all day he's great he's the surprise of the Drago's the star of this movie but I Hitch just looked like a dude that you living in Texas you see every day like, yeah just working at the any, I, will, like, I will say I expected nothing from Hitch when I first saw him and then with him but with the way he and Drago interacted they yeah. are the star. I mean, there's what they are. What they're the spirit of this movie. We're gonna get to that in just a minute, Doug. They, I I couldn't agree more. Um, and I I thought I recognized uh, Drago 
but I was wrong. For the most of the movie, I thought he was a Centauri from uh, the last cigar, uh, the last cigar fighter, Robert the last star fighter. Uh, physically, physically, they look similar. Yeah, I mean, Centauri's like ten inches shorter, but their face, their face looks. They they do have a similar face. I'll give you that. I never thought of that, but yeah, I'll give you that. I thought for sure I'd seen this guy in a million things, and I hadn't. Yeah, I looked him up, and I was like, holy crap, I don't know. But as soon as he slaps the shit out of uh, Carmen, the FBI guys show up. How'd they find him? They were, like, parked in an alley somewhere. All of a sudden, the FBI guys, they they, they found him. Turns out the criminals are a bit as uh, inept as the FBI. Well, there's only one road. You're just going to take 35, and they're going to be somewhere on 35. They're in the city. They're still, <laughs> they're still in the city, but it doesn't matter. As another shootout goes down, did you guys notice that uh, Panama, Agent McKinnon, what was that movie, Doctor, where the guy shot, and like every time he shot his gun, it like, went up like, he acts like he's never shot a gun before in his life. Like every shot, he's just like recoiling up over his head. Uh, I, God, I don't remember. I remember us talking about it. It was, but a, I com- can't... It was a comedy. Uh, anyway, it, that also doesn't matter. Uh, they rescued Carmen, and they're soon back on the road racing towards the border. Or the nearest Siamese restaurant. <laughs> uh, she's always hungry. Uh, the agents and Carmen drive through the towns of Pushton, Duckdole, and Babbittville. Yaks, are those real towns? Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> real towns. I asked the wrong guy. Doctor, are those real places? I've never heard of them. Uh, man, I've heard of the Duckville Waltz, but I don't, I don't know if that's an actual town. Okay. Well, McKinnon makes a very uh, accurate statement when he says, that's what I love about Texas. It doesn't matter what little town you're in. They all look just alike. And that is so fucking true. And to, to be 100% honest, I, I have never heard of those places. And we've got four people here who have been living in Texas for most of our lives. No, I, I, I get Amber Alerts all the time from missing <laughs> kids in Texas. And I've never heard of any of these places that these kids are missing. But, dude, it just it, I, I thought that was so eerie because – the other day, I was driving my kid through downtown Belton, Texas, and she was like, why are we going to Cody's Pub? And I'm like, we're not. We're going to the Speedy Mart to get beers. Don't you love that's the two places I take my kid? <laughs> and I was like, but that's not your fault for thinking that. Every downtown in a small town Texas looks the fucking same. Yeah, pretty much. There's, there's no push in Texas. And what was the other one? Babbittville? Uh, Duckdole, D-U-K-D-O-L-E, and Babbittville. Yeah, those are those are all made up. I made those up, okay. But yeah, every every whether you go through a tiny little town or a, a somewhat larger, all the downtowns have the exact same architecture, the exact same layout. Uh, I, I thought that yeah, was kind it's of pretty, a, yeah, it's pretty close. It was a telling statement. Uh, they pass a sign for the Circle D Ranch, and Carmen suddenly remembers Billy Ray mentioning it. So they squeal off the road, pull in. Best Siamese food in all of Texas. <laughs> Still wonder what that is. Oh, and get this. She remembers he also mentioned something about a windmill. And guess what? On the Circle D Ranch, they see a windmill up in the air. So McKin- So Osborne climbs up the windmill and finds a cigar box full of beautiful, beautiful diamonds. A bunch of diamonds. Sweet ice. 
McKinnon considers pocketing one of the rocks. There's no official record of how many of these diamonds there are, and he's really worried about his retirement. But Osborne says, no way, partner. Hey, we're the good guys. Oh, and while they're hanging out at the ranch, I forgot to mention, Osborne and Carmen get to know each other a little better. He's a grumpy, he's a grumpy grouch who admittedly sent all the lady in his life running away. They they can't stand him. Well, yeah, they slap some. But her, her sparkling personality sees something in Osborne. She thinks there might be something there. She sees so, beyond the fatigue jacket? She sees beyond the fatigue jacket. She's scared. He also saw something in Diamond Thief Billy Ray, so <laughs> I'd say her judgment in men is questionable. But you know what? I take that back. Billy Ray was kind of a badass. Drinking beers, driving that Corvette, fell out of that helicopter and swam to the shore. Billy he was Ray. Cool. He was kind of cool. In other words, Carmen, you know. I'm she, fairly you know, certain those two bullets in his chest weren't going to slow him down. He's out right now living his best life. <laughs> You want to tell us about it, Billy Ray? Those motherfuckers. <laughs> Meanwhile, we join back up with Dragu, Hitch, and Lucky as they drive along looking for Carmen and the agency. Boys, this is one of those occasions, and we've said it a couple times here on the podcast, where I would love to see a road trip movie with just these three guys in it. <laughs> I, just, I just want to spend time with these dudes. I don't want to spend time with anybody else but these three guys. We jump in on their conversation, and you kind of have to figure it out for yourself because it's not really spelled out what they're talking about. The right. I had to kind of rewind it and see. But they're talking about Drago's mother who's in a nursing home. But you don't get that at first. They just drop you right in the middle of it. You know what I hate the most, Drago says. What's that, responds Hitch. The smell of dry piss, alcohol, and death. Hey, at least we still got our moms with us, you know, Hitch says. I'm an orphan, lucky size. There's nothing lucky about that, says it says Drago. <laughs> Without our moms, where would we be today? Hitch continues. This fires Drago up. Nowhere. Wiping people's asses, digging ditches. But not me. My mother deserves the best, and I don't give a good goddamn who I have to kill. She's gonna live out her life in style. Then he and Hitch bump fists in the front seat and give each other a little nod. They both love their moms. (laughs) I think the scene is really cool because it's pre-Reservoir Dogs. It's pre-Pulp Fiction. Around this time, we didn't really spend a lot of time with bad guys talking about shit other than the plot or other than like their mission. And these guys are just cruising, talking about their mom and a nurse. We didn't get to see a lot of cool stuff like this. I love it. I mean, it. we could have just as easily come into the conversation. They'd have been more philosophical. You know, sometimes I don't know. Is it, am I firing enough bullets? Am I not firing enough bullets? But that would have, have been. I killed enough guys. Look, that, I just want to be able to provide for my mom. That would have yeah. been predictable. I just love that it was just a random conversation that is, okay, here's what they're talking about. And I, I did love Lucky's, I'm an orphan. Ain't nothing lucky about that. I don't know what it's all for. Shit. Shit. I just feel that the, the guy, the actors play at Hitch and Drago, just they, they were so good that they pulled it off. And, I thought it was, they, yeah. they, they raised that to another level. Right. I think that, yeah, you th- you put, you sub some other people in there in this scene. But if they dumb, didn't raise but... it, if they didn't raise that up, that scene would have been cut because yeah. it would have been terrible. The fact that yeah. 
Some yeah, guy that's good, yeah, that's a good point. They probably were looking at the dailies and said, holy shit, keep that in. If you're watching I, two other guys read those lines, you're sitting there going, what the fuck? I can't believe I wrote that. The director shot it, and these guys pulled it off. Like, <laughs> action USA. But get this. The conversation between these two new friends, uh, Hitch and Dragos, cut short. They drive right past the FBI agent's car out on this country road. Shit, let's kick some educated ass, Dragon says. <laughs> As he spins their muscle car around and starts chasing them. A gunfight ensues, and thankfully, Osborne's able to shoot out one of the bad guy's front tires, letting the men and Carmen escape from Dragu's grasp once again. Tut. No, Yak Boy. You know what never escapes my grasp? What's that? I'm glad you asked. The delicious premium cigars from the Mighty Drew Estate. Seems like I'm always holding a D stick in my hand. Why wouldn't I? They're delicious and awesome. And one of their tastiest offerings is the Herrera Steli Miami, crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Kelly Ocho. The Herrera Steli Miami is expertly rolled with a impressive Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper. I, like I think it's I... called Impressive. Damn it. <laughs> Over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select feelers, I'm sorry, fillers, from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Stelling Miami features rich black and gold packaging. It is sharp looking and is available in five sizes. Uh, we smoked the cigar recently. We all loved it and is truly one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now and get your hands on some. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Go to Famous Smoke Shop, promo code TNCZ20. Get you 20 bucks off a box. Do it. And Cowboy Doc, while we're talking about cool shit, I'd also like to take a hot minute once again to let y'all know about something very cool, Cigar World. There you can meet the doctor in his cowboy hat, doing all sorts of tests and experiments on cigars, shooting his six shooters. Cigar World is phenomenal. Bless you, Ted. Thank you. Uh, No, you unfortunately can't see the doctor with his six shooters in his hat. But it is an online site Something to aim for, I guess. cigar smokers like you. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site, which I know the doctor will appreciate, is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You want to be the Dr. Fauci of cigars. This is the place to do what you do. You can sign up, give your input on new cigars by taking surveys, and testing cigars. Check it out right now at cigarworld.com forward slash testing lab. Well, uh, before we get back to the movie, folks, uh, Tut, I'm in my final third uh, of the cigar. You are nubbing it. Yak Boy, you getting down there? I'm getting down there. Just a little bit left. Uh, final thoughts. Good cigar. Didn't really uh, change up the flavors much. It just kind of played with the the intensity of them, you know, dialing it back here, pushing it a little, a little up there. Uh, man, I, I blew through it so damn fast. Uh, it was a quick smoking cigar, but it's a really, really good cigar too. So it's, it, it is nothing that, uh, is it out was. Of the black works or the black label, uh, wheelhouse. I mean, it had that, had that great James Brown profile. Uh, yeah. Uh, strength. Uh, through and through. Uh, the the strength actually picked up in the final third, so 
overall, I would say it's a full, a full strength, uh, with that coffee and chocolate. I really like the when the chocolate came alive in the, in the middle third. Yeah. Um, and the mineral really kept up with that spice and the spice picked up again in the final third. Yeah. Starting, starting to get in a little nose tingle again, uh, which was really cool. Um, yeah, this is, this is what I, what I like, uh, and, and respect from Black Label. They, they, they do kind of, other than the SNR and some of their, their Connecticut, uh, cigars, which I'm honestly a little unfamiliar with. I smoke more of their heavy stuff because I know if I, that's what I'm in the mood for. Yeah. For a fucking ballsy movie like Action USA, I wanted a ballsy cigar and it didn't disappoint. No, no, it didn't. Okay. Price point and construction was flawless. All yeah. the relights I've had to do were just from yapping my jaws too much. Great burn line, smooth draw. Um, they really do box press as well. I'm glad I uh, went with the Robusto. I think it probably is a good representation of the of the line. I'll go Tut first on price point. Yeah, I'll start out with 1125. 1125. Yeah, boy. I was gonna go 12. Okay. Well, I will tell you, boys. I guess I should. I forgot to guess. Um, no, you can't do that. I'm gonna go 1059. 1059. Good price. All right. Good what price. is it? The actual price MSRP eleven dollars. So you guys all went over. I I win tonight. Uh, eleven dollar cigar. Yeah, not bad. Not bad Which, at all. For great construction, uh, really nice coffee, chocolate notes, uh, really nice spice. Man, yeah, performed well. Very respectable. I wouldn't mind paying it. Uh, I will smoke the Super Deluxe again. And like I said, these were uh, we tracked these down at Cigar Fellows Cigar Lounge in Davison, Michigan. But please remember when purchasing some fine Black Label Trading Company cigars or other brands from FamousSmokeShop.com, that jingle famousmokeshop.com thank you uh use your new favorite promo code god you used to give that so much more gusto no forget it uh tncc20 use that code at checkout it'll knock 20 dollars off your purchase of 100 dollars or more that is like 20 percent TNCC two zero. It's got everything you want. Anything you want. Anything you want. All right. Nice save. That was, that was, that was okay. Okay, okay. On a completely unrelated note, never do that again. Okay. Uh, Yak Boy, I am going to finish this cigar out. Uh, while my smash sour Australian Texas beer certainly didn't interfere with it, I thought maybe I should try something else in the final third to see if I had better results. Tell the boys what I am drinking next. Ah, uh, yes, from Squatters Brewing out of Salt Lake City. Mormon territory. Mormon territory, but this is... From their Hop Rising line of IPAs, this is the Texas Twist Double IPA, as you can read there right on the can. But, uh, yes, Double IPA. So it's a kicker in alcohol. 
9.1%. They claim it's right at about 72 IBUs, so we'll find out. Um, No, I I put it more at 69. Call that a Fort Worth air conditioner. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I acted like when you were describing it, like I was like, no. But you're like nine whether you did it on purpose or inadvertently, it's either way it's good. Squatters Brewing started back in 1989. I knew that. I knew you that. Did you? I thought that's that's what I I was gonna tell you boys. That's my Texas twist. Yeah. No. no I don't uh, it was funny, Yax, when you were like, it's 9.1, and I kind of shook my head. Dude, I've been drinking this beer for years. Uh, this, this is actually one of my favorite double IPAs. It's very readily available. Um, I like the original Hop Squatters double IPA, but the Texas Twist, it does have more citrus, uh, a little bit of lime, but not not at all overbearing. Um, it's a little malty. It's 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 a really really good double IPA. Any it, any notes of orange? Because I have seen some reviews that said it had sort of a like a creamsicle type flavor. I can see that. It's very subtle. Honestly, I, I haven't had a creamsicle since I was probably what five years old, so I don't know what that's about. But uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of orange, a little bit of lime, but it, but it's all so buried under the hops, which I again put at sixty nine. And uh, that malt presence, it's just a really tasty double IPA. I think, I, And I think it's going to ride out. I should have switched to this earlier because I think it, I think the boldness of that beer is going to really complement the little tiny bit I have of the cigar left. Time to shoot some educated ass. Tud, up here in Flower Mound, we call that a Waco shampoo. <laughs> he's been up there a while. He knows. He knows what he's doing. All right. Well, back to the movie. Well, Drago did. I I I debated about going backwards to this scene, but we kind of went over one of the one of the scenes that I really really loved is when uh, the the first time that Drago and Hitch really shined for me is when you know Hitch is looking at Drago like oh who's this upstart guy you know big shot coming here but then when they started comparing prisons Sing Sing Leavenworth. Huntsville. Huntsville. <laughs> I just, they didn't tell you what all was going on. You had to know these, these prisons. Yeah. But, and but then, then it was up, just like this little mutual respect going on. And I just, but then they break, then they break it. And one's like Johnny Cash. And then Drago's like Mer- Waylon Jennings. Waylon well, no, it was Jennings. Merle Haggard, I think. Merle Haggard. I just, <laughs> I think they do another fist bump and like, all right, you're okay. I just, I just, these actors. The chemistry just between those two is great. And that's another scene that would have been so bad if it wasn't for those two. They and they make that they make that work. And honestly, I'll say this, uh, we've been doing this 139 episodes, 6 years. I I tr- I try to pick out an as your trusty narrator. I I do leave the stuff out, but I always do like when you guys are like Hey, there was something that you didn't thought because I because I like that scene too, but I liked I thought a lot of their other ones yeah. were a lot funnier and juicier. So no, that's it didn't begin with the mother's nursing home story. It actually there was they you would think Drago as the hired gun would be like fuck these other these goons. local yokels. 
Yeah, but dude, he actually there actually is a little friendship. There's a, not only a friendship, but there's even a little mentorship with Lucky there. Now Lucky delivers that stupid line. I hope to be as uh, what it was like, experienced as you guys one day. And I was just like, oh come on, kid, you could have left that line out. But I, I like the fact that you've got these three dudes and they just kind of gel together real quickly. They really do. And you'll notice, Todd, I left that line out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Drago did manage to put a hole That's in the game. That's why you're the podcast, Hope. I hope I can be as experienced as you one day. Stick with me, Todd. You'll live forever. Oh! <laughs> Remember me as a drain on the craft of podcasting. Todd, sounds like he's suffering from a Salada car wash. <laughs> Drago, with that big-ass gun of his, did put a hole in the gang's radiator with his giant hand cannon. So the two agents and Carmen have to pull over to the Melody Hall Ranch dance hall that night to try to do some, try to, try to do some repairs. Carmen has to use the restroom, so she immediately runs inside where the Texas country band on stage, Cherokee Rose, is rocking. Get your square dancing boots on. Looking at that lead singer with the middle school mustache and the flowing thick mullet, is there something you want to tell us, Todd? I'm just saying it was the best time of my life. <laughs> Dude, tell me you guys didn't watch it. I think that was Todd up on stage. <laughs> I won't say that I didn't think that. I'm just saying I had a lot of good times there at the Melody Ranch. Which apparently is a real honky-tonk in Waco. Still going strong. Okay, look. We, it is it is considered the largest dance hall in Texas. We've all been in a place like this at some point in the past. Oh, hell, I grew up in this place. Didn't you think? So I'm trying to wonder if they actually brought in. I mean, were these oh, the people no. who were just there that night? Because it, it, it just perfectly, to me, like captured they gave the, the dance the hall honky-tonk. Like, there's... There's a there's an air of hostility, and in this you case, know, they they brought in 200 actors to play these hicks. No, oh. these <laughs> they gave them very clear instructions, which we'll get to in a minute. Hey boys, yeah, when he, we played back in this time, this was like we would play uh, anywhere between four and six day stretches in the entire week. Now some days it'd be a little light, but there on that weekend, that crowd was a perfect representation. I should mention to those of you joining us for the first time, Tut was a traveling country musician uh, back in the, what, late 90s? Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, this was this was his bread and butter, these 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 country honky-tonk country clubs. Uh, Played both kinds of music, country and western. In the south, yes, sir. Uh, well, Osborne sends McKinnon in to keep an eye on her, and that proves to be yet another major miscalculation. Imagine that. These guys making a mistake. The moment African-American FBI agent Panama McKinnon steps through the doors, every single eye in this packed country club locks in on them. Waco! A black guy in a suit, very uncomfortable. Let's just stare him down. Especially that one dude with the white cowboy hat, pink sleeveless pearl snap button-down shirt. Ooh. And the high-waisted Rocky Mountain man jeans. Tut, was this your normal venue back in the day? 
Uh, well, it, it was the it was the tier two of the normal venue. We started out. If you want to start out on the road, you're really going to put your time in at the VFW dance halls, and then you graduate to the Melody Ranch. Okay. I just. <laughs> Yeah, that that dude in the the candy apple red sleeveless shirt was uh on my TV it looked pink. Did it look red on y'all's? Yeah. Oh, it was it was vivid red. Okay, okay. Uh, he took the time to carefully remove those sleeves. I'm just saying that I've met the lady who runs this bar many, many times. Well, she's 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 very adamant as, as McKinnon comes in. Uh, she lets, uh, of course, she lets cute, bubbly uh, Carmen run into the bathroom for free. When when uh, African American McKinnon comes in, he's like, I just need to get some water from my radiator. My car broke down. She's like, two three dollars, three dollars. I'm an FBI agent. Well, that's a letter for each for each letter. She, she clearly wasn't she clearly worked there too cx even back in the 80s they didn't want to pay a cover charge it may or may not be i different. know i feel that one because i was like you know what she's and i just like it because her response was i've seen it all just pay the money i'll say this it may or may not be portrayed a little over the top how every single cowboy and cowgirl looks Agent Panama up, up and down, up and down in 1989. But it did make me feel really sympathetic for the guy. I can't empathize because I. This, never- well, no, I liked, I loved this because I mean, besides just everything else, it had a complete like 48 hours feel to it. Yeah, yeah. And I was- just want, I just wanted you know the the act the McKinnon actor to kind of take that on. I never saw 48 Reggie, Hours. Pull the Eddie uh, Murphy as Reggie Hammond and start kicking ass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I never saw. I never saw 48 Hours. So I can't really comment on it, but but it did. It did. I'd like to think in 1989 that it wasn't this blatant that a, a, a black guy would walk into a honky tonk bar and every of the 400 people in there would just. I think there's a reason why it's in this movie. Uh okay. Well tell you were there. I, I that wasn't my scene. I've never I went into a, a country western dance hall once. Uh and I felt like an ink spot in a bowl of milk, so I, I never went back. Uh, I can't imagine what there's this there, guy there's, felt. there's some rough places out there. Okay. Well guess who shows up next at Melody Ranch? Of course, it's Drago and the boys. They found them again somehow. Actually, we'll find out later how they're finding them so quickly. He tells the other two that they can't go inside dressed like that. They'll stand out like a couple of hard-ons. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> so there's two drunk two drunk cowboys walking out right then. And Dragu asks him, hey, is everybody in Texas as ugly as you two cow fuckers? And then he punches one dude in the stomach, takes his hat off, puts it on Lucky, and the other guy's like, I'm drunk. I don't care. He just gives him his hat. <laughs> I don't want to get punched in the stomach. Just take my hat. Yeah, I've been drinking too many beers. Stick with me and you'll live forever, boys, Dragoo says. Thank you, Lucky says, for the wisdom that you're giving us. We're so lucky to have met you. <laughs> but as Dragoo walks in, Hitch pulls Lucky back and takes off his cowboy hat. 
you'll never pass for a cowboy. You look like a piece of shit. And he, <laughs> he takes his cowboy hat and puts it on his head and they walk in. <laughs> I love these guys. The racist bartender won't serve McKinnon any water for his busted radiator. So Panama orders a cinnamon schnapps instead. But before he can drink it, the sleeveless cowboy and his crew walk over and a big guy with him puts a shot glass in his mouth around his lips, swishes it around in his mouth and spits it back out uh, into the glass. Dude, these guys are assholes, right, Doctor? Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. The, these, are, these are terrible <laughs> assholes. And, Doctor, from a communicable disease standpoint, a guy rinsing his booze in his mouth and then giving it back to you, there's got to be so many germs. I. God, did you look at this man? He spends his night in honky-tonk dance halls. The, the sheer number of microorganisms in that shot glass is beyond comprehension. Try to comprehend it. You can't. He's been existing on a diet of cheap trucker speed and booze for the last several hours. Maybe so. He has a career that makes him very happy. Good God, the germs in that shot glass are astronomical. What if he had had some Siamese food or, or earlier that day? My God, man, now you're crossing streams that can't be crossed. <laughs> I just like that. It sounds like a song, Trucker Speed and Booze. Osborne uh, sees Drago and the two other bad guys cornering Carmen on the dance floor. Dude, she's just dancing, having a blast, you know. <laughs> and then he sees the three hicks ganging up on his partner, McKinnon, and he knows there's only one thing to do. Fight! He yells as loud as he can as he punches one of the rednecks on, at the bar. Everyone in the club is happy to join in. I was like, but literally, you just see like these dudes like hanging out next to the other guy, and it was literally just like they were waiting for someone. I've been waiting for this all night. I hate you. There's a guy dancing with his chick, and when he hears that fight, he's like, Fight! He punches that chick out. Well, <laughs> these guys are just waiting. These guys are just waiting to fight. Well, no, not punching the chick out. That was over the top. Everyone in the place just starts randomly punching each other in the face. Poor, poor Panama gets clocked by the dude in the acid-washed Rocky Mountain jeans. But then a big burly guy helps him up. I'm like, oh, that was nice of him, but nope. He picks him up and tosses him through a wooden trellis. Then some other cowboys help Panama up again to throw him through another wooden trellis. This guy's getting thrown through like two walls in two seconds. Then some dude Drago, meanwhile, is knocking out random dudes right and left. Anybody that touches his trench coat, just punching everybody. Old leathery cowboys are breaking beer bottles over younger dudes' face. Then they get body slammed on jukeboxes. How many jukeboxes I'm not, are in this place? I'm not going to say this is a better bar fight than Roadhouse because it's not. Great fight, though. But it's a great – or or uh, what was the Burt Reynolds one we saw? Hooper. Uh, Hooper. That was a great bar fight, too, with Terry Bradshaw. This is top three. Just because it took no ignition, like there was nothing, there was no sparking incident other than some dude just like, <laughs> <"Hi."> <laughs> okay. Spot. 
Listen, I mean, it would have been better if he had just been like, we need a distraction. How, how do we get one? Fight. Uh, just It's pandemonium in this place. Everybody's fighting everybody. Best friends that were having a beer together just start punching each other out. It's crazy. Back in East Texas, just, we called really this like a friendly fight. They just did like one little, like, three-second cutaway. They go back to the old woman at the dick and cover charge, like, steal $3. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had a walk. great line when uh when Osborne comes up and shows her the FBI badge because he's he's the second one after McKinnon, so he shows her the badge and she's like, oh, "It's ladies' night, hun, not FBI night." Don't give a shit. She wants that three bucks, and if you don't pay it, she gets that dude Tiny to walk over, <laughs> who's eight foot tall to fucking rough you up. Meanwhile, Young Tut keeps singing on stage. That's what you do. That's what you're trained to do, man. You keep playing. Call that the Vidor Shuffle, right, Ted? In fact, Carmen. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's a classy that, joint. That's, that's Stage a different thing. Stage isn't covered in chicken wire, so come on. I named the wrong town. Yeah, that's, that's, that's there's a no chicken thing. wire yet. But get this: Carmen climbs up on stage, grabs a mic, and takes over lead vocals, and that actually calms the whole room down. Her voice is so damn smooth that people stop punching Agent Panama McKinnon in the gut repeatedly. I think he even says thank you at one point. Like, like, oh, listen to her sing. He's like, thank you. (laughs) And they start dancing again. They're like, all right, we're not fighting anymore. We're going to dance some more. That's why you got to keep that music going. The dude punching them, if you watch it, the dude punching them actually stops and immediately starts applauding for Carmen (laughs) when her song is over. Tut, in your honky-tonk days, did you ever play through a bar fight? I played through several. Really? No, that's literally what that's real literally what you're trained to do. If the fight breaks out, you keep playing. Who trained you? Old Travis, people. Travis old, pe- old people. No, this is I mean, Travis Tritt played go, these Hontic, uh, played did fight, like this. Did anybody fight at the Travis Tritt concert? Well, just the roadies. But that was friendly fights. Friendly fights. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we usually had a bet of uh, betting pool going. We're learning a lot here tonight, boys. Uh, well, Hitch and Lucky take Agent Osborne out in the parking lot at gunpoint, punch him in the belly a few times, and then they toss him in their car. But luckily, Panama is able to grab Carmen and escape in their ride, which I thought was undrivable because of the radiator, but they squeal out of there and they get away. Because some drunken cowboys, as they're chasing them, smash into the muscle car so the bad guys cannot chase them. Like my smash beer. Pairing grade, A+. That he gave himself. Who else is going to give it to me? Well, the next one... That's called the Pflugerville grading system. (laughs) You leave Pflugerville out of this. Pflugerville is a saint. Called a Dripping Springs report card. (laughs) That I like. like. Well, the next morning we find Frankie Navarro chomping on a stogie in his bathrobe on the couch at his mansion. He's pulling on a young blonde chick's hair as as he explains to her that he's in with the syndicate on this diamond deal, and they mean business. She's just yanking on no, his hair. I had no earthly idea what either. was going on with this. It was just, 
mean, next time we hook up, I'm gonna just yank on Tut's ponytail when, and like, you don't understand. No, I don't. And I, I wonder t- if that was in the direction because she looked very uncomfortable. Oh, she looked she looked terrified. <laughs> I think she was another Waco local or wacko local. When his men report down to him from upstairs that they can't get a hold of Drago, he orders them to go find his hired gun. I like that one henchman, Doctor. It's kind of like the nurse in Halloween 2, but totally TNC style. I mean, it could take a while, boss. <laughs> Just go, go find him. <laughs> oh, it's going to take a while? Well, then don't do it. Yeah, uh, never mind then. <laughs> Only if he gets out of prison is a stake here. It's a total ball game. It's a total TNCC henchman. Go find him. Well, I mean, we don't know where he is. It could take a while. It's going to. Oh, yeah, oh, forget it. Just go back to watching TV. <laughs> I love that dude. We, we never see him again. Over out yonder, the FBI agent's car finally breaks down in the middle of nowhere. So McKinnon and Carmen set off on foot. Eventually, they come across a group of illegal Mexican immigrant farmhands. And when Panama shows off his badge, the bulk of them just take off running. You know, they, they don't want to go back. They're busted. But Carmen... And there is no such thing as racial insensitivity. But Carmen is able to calm down the two remaining fellas and sweet-talk them in Spanish into lending her and McKinnon their truck. She grew up on the farm. She knows how to talk to these guys. Yeah, by simply saying they're not INS. <laughs> but that's not... Dude, I'm not in trouble. They actually were illegal immigrants. They ran off at the sign of a bad. I... I'm not in trouble, right? What do you I, think of I the little know. Los Lobos guitar music as they all ran off? And <laughs> yeah, they did. The soundtrack did go into kind of a Los Lobos. <laughs> uh, uh, am I in trouble for that? But that's a good thing because their missing partner, they got to get moving. Osborne, remember that guy in the fatigue jacket? He's getting his ass kicked by Mr. Dragu along the side of the road, just punching him repeatedly in the gut. We learned that 32-year-old Osborne was a special forces hotshot back in Saigon. What was going on in Saigon in the 80s? No, Saigon was Vietnam. Yeah, he's 32 in 1989. The guy wasn't anywhere near Vietnam. Anyway, he can take a pounding just like Martin Riggs from Endo and Lethal Weapon. Just like that, because it was a Copycat of that. Yeah, you call that an Xarcana plotline. But dude, seriously. Oh, you were one of those special forces guys in Saigon. He was what three then? Uh, he would have no. been about eighteen. It was eighty nine. Yeah. Seventy nine. He'd been twenty two. So he would have caught it. So he could have done some stuff in yeah, Saigon. Yeah. But he would have been, literally been 18, so it makes no sense. Unless he would he have lied. Been, like, yeah. I went into the service at 15. It's not accurate, but, Kate, I'm going to do what you've done several times a day. Action USA. Action USA. <laughs> you shadow company pussies. You shadow company pussies make me laugh. <laughs> if Doc was here, he'd laugh, too. <laughs> Panama and Carmen uh, pull into a gas station. She goes in to get some food. This chick is always hungry. Uh, and he, 
per FBI procedure, leaves his prize witness alone while he wanders off to drain his lizard in the bathroom. Everything that's gone wrong in this movie has come from them leaving this chick alone. The two worst FBI agents in history. <laughs> so, of course, 10 seconds later, the bad guy's muscle car pulls in to get some gas. Drago kicks the doofus gas attendant out of his chair and orders him to fill the tank. Dude, classic Drago. The guy pops up like, uh, dude, this guy, I can't even begin to describe this gas station attendant. <laughs> but, dude, Drago has no patience for me. He just fucking kicks the dude. Fill it up. Okay, what do you want? Oh, my God. He was not an actor either. That was a local. Also, the fact that it's 1989, it's Texas, and it's only self-service. There's yeah. no full service. Well, this place there was, yes. No, it's all lies. Lies, I tell you. Drago gets self gets full I, service I, when I, he wants full believe. service. Panama, this is what was inaccurate about this movie. Panama walks out of the john just as Carmen is strutting out of the gas station with their chips. And when they see Lucky kicking a Pepsi machine that didn't give him his... These guys kick and punch everything. <laughs> they can't have anything go easy. All right, here's my quarter for a Pepsi can. <laughs> they haul ass to the farm truck and take off with the bad guys in hot pursuit. Which I say this every episode. This is 139 episodes that I've mentioned hot pursuit in every single one of them. Every single movie we've done has had a hot pursuit. But this movie's pursuits are really hot. Am I right, Doctor? Yes, you are. Not everyone has had a late model sedan. <laughs> you gotta have a late model sedan. So this chase starts off in spectacular fashion. As an innocent station wagon gets run off the road by the bad guys, crashes clear through a fucking house where a couple of dudes are sitting out front enjoying some mid-afternoon beers and some lawn chairs. They just drove through my living room. The station wagon takes out half the fucking house. And as the then the driver starts to pull away. Sorry about your house, buddy. And he starts to leave. And then the house, for some unexplainable reason, blows up into flames. What's, what's, what's going on? A meth lab? What the fuck? I did. It was wonderful. The whole thing was so stupid. It was wonderful. My favorite part of that was that the, the innocent dude in the station wagon who drove through their house, he's like, all right, I could wait for the cops. No, <laughs> Sorry about your house, buddy. He's <laughs> leaving. Stop and see if I ran over any babies or anything like that. No, no dude. He takes off, and the house just blows into this huge fireball. Another car driven by a man wearing a helmet. Did you see that? Yeah. I'm sure that was just a coincidence. He gets run off the road and crashes into a propane tank, which causes an even bigger explosion. But, dude, they totally showed him his car. He had a helmet on. A rare a rare miss by the stunt team on Action USA. When he this thing blows up, there's flaming tires flying up 50 feet in the air. This shit is awesome. Like, it's a huge explosion. When we now have just the good guys and the bad guys crashing into another once again, they've driven their way out of the city. They're out in the country. I mentioned Tarantino earlier in the way those, uh, the way these chase scenes out in the Texas country are shot. It reminded me a lot. I don't know how familiar you guys are with this movie. 
it reminded me so much of the cinematography in the last act of his excellent movie Death Proof. When Kurt Russell's chasing those girls in the in the muscle cars, just crashing into each other and skidding off the road in the Texas hillside country. I can't believe that Tarantino didn't see Action USA because this movie reminded me a lot of what I saw in Death Proof. Maybe he did. Carmen takes the wheel and slams into the muscle car, which sends Mr. Drago, who's hanging out there with this big-ass gun, flying out the window and tumbling down the side of the road. Hitch shoots Agent Panama. And now that Osborne in the backseat senses that things are getting out of control... He punches Lucky, and the two of them fly out the rear windshield where they continue to wrestle it out on the trunk of the speeding car. That looked awesome. Yeah. Those two dudes going at it on the back of a speeding car. Lucky's gun goes off in the struggle, and it shoots his buddy Hitch behind the wheel. He slumps over. Osborne tosses Lucky off the trunk. He's okay. He lives. And then he manages to jump in the back of the farm truck, which is driving alongside him, driven by Carmen, just as Wounded Hitch looks up from the steering wheel in time to see an enormous semi-truck blocking <laughs> the entire road from See in hell, Lucky! That's his last words. He screams at the top of the... As the muscle car... Dude, he goes under that semi, and the top of the muscle car just gets shaved off. And then another huge fireball erupts. Wowzers, what a scene. Nicely done. It was nicely done. It was. I love I loved the see you in hell bit right before he gets a yeah, poor it lucky. Her. It was perfect. Poor orphan lucky. He didn't have enough strikes against him. I'll see you in hell, Lucky. <laughs> hey, he was thinking about his best friend before he died. That's that counts for something. Cut, what are you smoking for your follow-up cigar there? Uh, it's a house only from uh, Smoker's Abbey. I'm actually smoking a, a house blend uh, from the cigar fellas uh, where we got tonight's cigar from in Davison, Michigan. They sent me one of their house blends, and I'm smoking that as well. So I have no idea what it is, but uh, it's good so far. I was trying to think of... Well, I'll find it a little later. I can't remember who they partnered with to make this. A uh, younger company, but it's pretty good. Okay. Well, at the hospital, a heavily sedated McKinnon uh, finally, remember he got shot, finally tells his partner why his nickname is Panama. His poor parents never left New Jersey, so they thought of the place as far from Coney Island that they could think of and started calling their son Panama because they wanted him to go far. That was a real tender scene between those two guys, right? <laughs> I'm with you, Kate. <laughs> it, it needed it, didn't want it, but we got it. That night on a moonlight moonlit bridge, Cameron tries to seduce the troubled Osborne in his fatigue jacket. She tries to convince him that he's a good FBI agent. No, he's Panama, not. Pan, no, he's no. not. If he was, she'd be safe. <laughs> and that Panama's going to be okay, but she fails. He just goes to bed. 
which makes zero fucking sense because despite wearing that blue mini dress and those white fringe knee-high cowboy boots for like four or five days now on the run, she still looks dynamite. But he's troubled, boys. He's troubled. We know that because of his jacket. The fatigue jacket. (laughs) He saw some shit in Saigon at the age of seven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Osborne should have spent the night with her because when Carmen wakes up in her motel room the next morning, she rolls over and there's Drago smiling at her. I thought you were dead, she says. They don't make a bullet big enough. (laughs) Drago. Drago. They give him some really good lines. Drago drags her down to the lobby where they run into Osborne. These agents love leaving their prize witness alone and unprotected, as we said before. So a foot chase starts up. They're shooting each other through the motel. They go up to the top floor, down to the bottom floor. They go out into the street where this is where it was really obvious that bystanders were just hanging out to see the big action movie film in Waco. Then they go into another building and keep shooting at each other. Eventually, everybody runs out of bullets. Finally, the bad guys had revolvers and they'd shot like 200 rounds without reloading. So Osborne punches Lucky out a 20th story window, if not higher. Dude, that building was fucking tall. You're not so lucky now, asshole. I'm sorry. That was a cool-ass stunt. We watched that stuntman wearing Lucky's leather jacket fall and fall, fall and flip and, and flip over and over again before crashing down on the hood of a car. No bullshit CGI, homies. That was an awesome stunt. And it even looked like the final when he hit that car. It looked like he jumped from a platform onto the car. It wasn't some dummy, you know, weighted dummy that caused the damage. I think that was like... A, he was actually probably, you know, 10 feet above and just did yeah. a backflip onto the roof of that thing. But some ballsy stuntman actually took that spill out of that 20-story window, and my God, man, it was awesome. You flabby piece of shit, Drago says, as he and the... Dude, fairly easily, Drago pummels Osborne into dust. Of course, it's Drago. Beating the shit out of him. In fact... If Carmen didn't bash Drago over the back with a board full of sharp nails, he would have easily defeated the Special Forces veteran 20 years his junior. You twat, Drago yells as he runs away. I didn't get why he ran away. None of them have guns. She's his... Who's she? Why do you yeah. run away? It's not like Osborne's going to do anything. I just beat the shit out of him. He needed a private moment to mourn Lucky's passing. I, I think he saw Lucky as the son he never had. Or wanted. <laughs> or absolutely didn't want. Osborne and uh, Carmen then drive out of the city. And eventually they're within reach of the bridge where he's supposed to meet his director, Conover, and his fellow agents to pass Ken- Carmen along to them for her continuing uh, witness protection. But Osborne senses something strange is afoot, so he pulls over in the truck and leaves her a mile away while he borrows some dude's motorbike who was just driving around in circles in a field next to them like an idiot. So now after everything else, this is the one time that the FBI badge is going to work. Hey, I need your motorcycle. 
Yeah, because it's some Waco. Just whip out his gun and be like, "Give me your fucking motorcycle." It's some Waco. It's some Waco dipshit riding a dirt bike in a field. He would have fallen for a plastic badge from a Toys R Us. (laughs) Well, he gives it to him and he rides it up to the his fellow FBI guys alone. And sure enough, these FBI guys led by Director Conover aren't here to help. They only want the diamonds. It's a double cross, boys. It's a classic fucking double cross. Bastards. Maybe those sweet pinky rings that Director Conover was wearing <laughs> on both hands could have been a tip-off that something strange was afoot. He's got these gorgeous pinky rings on. Conover's, uh, it turns out, here's why Drago has known where they are along. He's been tipping them off. He's been in on this from the beginning. Uh, well, Osborne may be kind of dumb. We've seen that. And he may not be able to punch out an old bastard like Mr. Drago. Uh, oh, by the way, he's there hanging out with the feds. He's, he's, he's in their friendly graces. Drago. Uh, but Osborne is not crooked and he ain't handing over those diamonds. At least he didn't plan to, but then Conover pulls out his binoculars. And points to a car parked down in a ravine. Was that a ravine yet? It is indeed a ravine. Okay, I thought it might have been a goalie. But you're right. I think you're right. It's a ravine. And there's a car down there filled with 10 tons of remote-controlled detonated TNT and a tied-up Agent Panama. Uh They, They stole them from the hospital, put them in this car filled with dynamite. That's their insurance policy. Osborne doesn't really have a choice now. He has to give over the diamonds. I like how they put Panama's little blue blazer over his hospital gown. (laughs) Just consider it. Well, just as Osborne hands over the bag of diamonds and is about to be shot, Carmen, who he left back in the truck, charges towards them in the farm truck with a Molotov cocktail in her hand. Yeah. Drago, for no reason whatsoever, shoots one of the FBI guys just for fun. You fucking yuppie. <laughs> what was that? What was that? They're on the same team. <laughs> Drago. Shoots him, jumps on the motorcycle, and pops a long-ass cool wheelie and starts racing towards Carmen's truck. But there's no loyalty among thieves, so Conover pulls out a Mac 10 and starts firing towards Carmen's truck. And in the process, he fills Mr. Drago's back full of bullets. Drago and his motorcycle both fly off the high bridge down into the river. He might have been able to, if anybody could have stopped Carmen, it was Drago. And this fucking whatever, Conover. (laughs) This whole thing is confusing. Why does Drago... Why does Everything Drago goes, all of a sudden go, you fucking yuppie, and just shoot that dude? We didn't plan for this. So what should we do? Uh, do everything wrong. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I loved it, but it just was senseless. It was. Uh, well, Carmen blows up. She drives. She ends up driving by. She blows up their car with the Molotov cocktail. And that sends several FBI guys engulfed in flames jumping off the bridge into the water as well. Doctor, do you think after being engulfed in flames and dropping 100 or more feet into the river, those traitorous FBI dudes will ever be able to double-cross anybody ever again? 
Well, that's a good question, Mr. Cabe. My God, the flames from the Molotov cocktail and the, the drop that they made. Even if you couldn't see the cable that was attached to one of the stuntmen when he fell <laughs> over, it's a tremendous fall. I, I will say when they're jumping off that bridge, you see a lot of cable work. I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. I appreciate Actually, that. Hold on. I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. Dude, we never got a hat pull off and the glasses pull off. Hold on. I want to see how he's going to top this in a minute. Osborne shoots his boss, Conover, which causes him to remote detonate the TNT. So the car holding Panama explodes into yet another giant fireball. My God, there's a lot of fireballs in this movie. Doctor, gotta step up your game. Do you think after being shot, then yanked out of the hospital bed while on IV fluids, only to be blown to smithereens in a late model sedan, will Panama ever get to fulfill his dream and actually visit the country of Panama? The spin. The spin. I'm afraid it's far too early to tell. I was wondering what you were going to do. The spin works. The spin works. Folks, if you're not watching us on YouTube, get over there. iTunes is for losers. Watch us on YouTube. Well, I think you're right, Doctor. It is far too early to tell. And guess what? It's far too early to tell. As Osborne throws himself around in mental agony in his fatigue jacket at the loss of his partner, Call this a Beaumont eulogy. <laughs> he hears a voice call out. Get over here before I kick your ass. It's Panama. He's alive. He escaped the car prior to the explosion. Yes. Wait, doesn't he say, get your ass over here so I can kick it? Yes. <laughs> Dude, he's alive. You know what that means? We get a sequel, baby. Action USA 2. Carmen is so excited that she plants a kiss on Osborne's lips. And finally, the disgruntled Saigon veteran gives in to the hot babe and just goes with it and gives her the most awkward, weird, closed mouth <laughs> kiss I've seen in a long time. Now it's their turn because it turns out Osborne has a handful of diamonds that fell out of the sack in his pocket. So they can retire early and go on a very long vacation. The end. The only thing is he's so incompetent that it's actually possible it was an accident. <laughs> yeah, not, no, no, no. I don't think he planned that at all. I think he just, the, the bag. Ooh, ooh, the diamonds. Down. Some of those di valuable diamonds I was supposed to keep. He forgot out. to tie the bag up. And he just shoved it in his pocket and it spilled. I think I left three or four of them as a tip in that Siamese restaurant. <laughs> Well, it's not really. Okay, I paid the cover at the dance hall with diamonds. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not really the end, boys, because there are some amusing bloopers mixed in with the end credits. I especially got a kick out of the clip where they showed Panama's stuntman fly through one of those wooden trellises at the dance hall. And when the director yells cut and the stuntman comes out to some applause by the drunk bar patrons, the real Panama actor <laughs> comes out and it's like, I did it. <laughs> 
I did it. Dude, that was cool. That was, was more fun. personality than he ever showed in the actual movie. It was. It was fun. And again, like we mentioned earlier, that those little bloopers were where we learned that the original shooting title was A Handful of Trouble. And the only thing notable about that is if you listen to the end credits, there's a rock song playing that's titled Handful of Trouble. Oh. So they got the title song like booked and they got a band to play it. And they totally changed the... Hey, what would it take to change the course of this thing from Handful of Trouble to Action USA? I'm a musician, man. I can't... You're asking for magic here. I can't do that. Uh, the end. That, that is the end. The end. It, it's over. The movie's over. What'd you guys think? Did you love it? I did. I thought it was a fun movie. It had a lot of uh, character and spirit. And that's the reason why I liked it. There was... There was stuff you could poke fun at, but I, I just love a movie with heart. I loved I thought, it. I thought when, uh, to Yax's point, when you first sent the, the choice, I thought, is this going to be one of those Italian knockoffs of Invasion USA? Because we had recently talked about some of those Italian knockoffs, and I thought, did someone do an Action USA, and it's going to be uh, some version of Chuck Norris's character, but... Uh, I, I looked at, I watched the trailer, and then I read the IMDb review, which is always one. You never know what you're getting. This person was like, and th- I thought they got it accurate. They were like, this is fantastic. They were like, don't think about it. Just go along with it. They were like, the first 20 minutes are going to blow your fucking ass away. Like, after that, it kind of lets down a little bit, but then it still is really good. It's hard to top the first 20 minutes. And... uh I mean, whoever was writing just said it goes, it's just crazy stunts, crazy action. You're going to love it. Uh, So, and I kind of went into it with that attitude. And uh, yeah, there's, there's obviously, there's some silliness and some stupidity, but I think that it, in spite of that, it works out. I think that the fact that they clearly had a bunch of professional stuntmen uh, and that they they knew not to let up on the gas. Uh, Literally, that worked out great. And then I still think that it would have still been fun to look at, but that you cast those two actors as Drago and Hitch uh, to counterbalance out the very weak performances by the FBI agents. Yet a babe is Carmen, you know, but. Uh, those two dudes just just that that was like a here here are these guys like you said i want i i would watch a movie of those two i would i would i want to watch a movie of drago's he comes in with this huge reputation it's mr drago yeah, i want to see, see like a whole other movie of drago's other shit i want to see his other adventures where he's just kicked ass and built this reputation absolutely um I- i'll say this if you're going to call your movie Action USA, you better motherfucking deliver on that ballsy title. And I thought this movie passed the test. It had enough in it. Fuck yeah, you're Action USA. Yeah. And I don't know why, but my favorite my favorite scene in the movie is when that station wagon drove through that house. <laughs> and then the station wagon driver left. Sorry about your house, buddy. And then the house blew up into flames. That's Action USA to me. It makes no sense. It's completely just explosions 
upon explosions. Wouldn't you do that if you crashed a stage wagon through somebody's house? Wouldn't <laughs> you mean, be like, sorry, buddy, and just keep going? If it was somebody else's fault for once, I think I would like blame them. Like, I'll stay till the cops. That was his fault. But this was not, you know, if it was my fault, yeah, I'd, do, I'd totally do that. <laughs> sorry about your living room. All Later, right. buddy. See you later, Buster. When it, when uh, it blew I, up, though, I, I kind of laughed out loud because I thought the house would just fall apart, but then yeah. all of a sudden, fucking, that's like something out of The Simpsons, or that, that's like like Mole Man's car hitting a bump and then blowing oh, up, man. like when that house just explodes. <laughs> it made no sense. Did you guys also notice, I forgot to mention this earlier, at when they go into the Melody Ranch, the country club dance hall, that there were some cowboys giving the dude shit because... If you weren't chasing skirts and looking out, your, your motorhome wouldn't have got stranded. They actually, the guys whose motorhome was yeah. destroyed by the bad guys were They're in there in the drinking. Them. But the dude, the FBI guys have been driving for two days. So these guys were way down the road. How? Their motorhome got destroyed. <laughs> it made no sense. They just hitched a ride on a horse trailer to the Melody Ranch. They had their priorities in line. And they were dressed like a bunch of weirdos with like Panama hats and... But no, uh, Panama is going to get the McKin- agent McKinnon is going to get the uh, cross-eyed looks at the country club. Man, I love this movie. It was fun. It, it lived up to what I hoped it would be from what I'd read. Um, I'm glad you guys dug it. I, I sure as hell had fun with it. And after the my own personal hell that you guys put me through last week with Senior Week. <laughs> I, I thought this was a safe bet to get everybody on the same page. And let's hear it for was a safe bet. The Texas blonde who wears a denim skirt that can easily be hiked up in the bathroom of a honky tonk. I forgot wait about your that. own turn. I That's let that you, scene slip too. Yeah, you, yeah. Wait your own turn. Wait your own turn. At one point, Osborne thinks that Carmen's getting assaulted in the honky tonk bathroom and he busts in the stall and there's some fat guy. Making out with a topless chick. Wait your own turn. I didn't know if he was saying wait your own turn for this chick or wait your own turn for, for the stall. Either way, that's a classy lassie right there. <laughs> that's uh, somebody that might actually put up with the dock. Yax or uh, Tut, did you ever get it on in a honky tonk bar bathroom stall? And the answer to that is no comments. <laughs> the answer to that is let me give you some links. All right, so if you're going to go with Instagram, go with at TNCC underscore podcast. See all the pretty pictures there. You can hit us up on Facebook, Tuesday Night Scar Club. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter, at TNCC Cast, or you can definitely subscribe to us on YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. If you're going to do some uh, shopping, uh, you got to, uh, let's see Father's, what's coming up. Father's, Father's Day. Day, you definitely need to uh, buy your father some cigars. Head on over to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Famous Smoke Shop banner. It'll automatically input the promo code TNCC20, and it'll save you 20 bucks off an order of $100. Yeah. Yeah. And go to, uh, did you mention Instagram? I did. Go to Instagram. Uh, you could follow Tut and Yak Boys Weasel Fest Adventures on there, on our Insta stories. Uh, uh, we kind of are selective on what we put on the page, but our Insta stories are active daily with what we're up to, uh, whether it's uh, the boys at Weasel Fest or what we're drinking or what we're eating. Uh, we try to 
drop stuff in there. So uh, I, I, as far as if I was a TNCZ fan, Instagram and YouTube would be where it's Uh-oh. at. Where it's at. Blowing up. Like Action uh, USA. Action USA. I loved Action USA. I'm glad you boys enjoyed it. Um, there's nowhere to go but down from here. How can I follow up Action USA? I'll try. I'll try my best. Uh, boys, I appreciate you wearing the cowboy hats tonight. Doctor, I appreciate you being consistent with the cowboy hats tonight. Um, is the doctor frozen? I don't know. He looks. He is frozen. He is frozen. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's so sincere about <laughs> me complimenting on his cowboy hat, but no, he's, he's, he's uh, Man, his zip square is he's not blinking. Oh <laughs> I think we lost the doctor. We did lose the doctor. All right. Well, in all fairness, uh the doctor had fun tonight. We had fun tonight. We'll see you again in two weeks. Uh thank you as always for joining us. Black label trading company, uh Super Deluxe. Man, thumbs up. Good job, guys. Three thumbs up, man. It was a little uh flavor bomb or strength bomb with some good flavors. Uh, we had a bunch of crazy beers tonight that I uh, I, I think did us well. Uh, I'm I should have switched to the Texas Twist IPA earlier, but you know what? That fucking Blue Owl once again uh, it did okay. I like that brewery. Um, so uh, check out our episode page for full notes on the beer and the scar, and we will see you again in two weeks. As always, may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. Action USA. We love you. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. To learn more about the time I found myself dangling upside down from a helicopter while Ron Jeremy held my ankles, and millions of dollars worth of blood diamonds spilled from the pockets of my Bugle Boy slacks, please read my breathtaking tale of action and steamy romance titled Boner USA. That's right, your boy Keith here spent a few years in the late 80s working as a diamond smuggler during the day and a private swimming instructor for the ladies of Cape Coral, Florida at night. When things got intense in the water, they didn't reach for a life preserver, they reached for... Boner USA. As you can probably see, the title kind of wrote itself. So buy the book and be prepared to hang on for dear life. And by that, of course, I mean hang on to Boner USA. And in the meantime, you can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting OvejaNegraCigars.com. Do not, and I repeat, do not. Under any circumstances, go to BonerUSA.com. Trust me on that one, folks. I'm not affiliated with that site in any way, shape, or form. And my lawyers, such as they are, have been notified. I make no claims about any rumors that there may be another shot there of Ron Jeremy holding my ankles that does not involve Bugle Boy slacks or Blood Diamonds. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. 
To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. (laughs) 